Hey everybody, it's the Terrible Terror here, and I really wanted to do something before the episode starts. Yes, yes, I've done this shit before, but this is officially like the start of season three. It's the two-year uh, anniversary episode, and I thought I'd bring along a guest for this one. Um, but there are two people in particular that I do want to shout out right from the beginning. Um the first uh, who we had on the Alien vs. Predator episode, and that was uh, Patrick, and he's been a big supporter of the podcast, um, and I just want to make sure he gets his due. Uh, he got to be on an episode, which was really fun and entertaining for me, uh, but, you know, it's something that is, uh, I think, overdue, you know, we do another podcast together called It Be Like That. And it's still really fun to do. Uh, this was just something different that I always wanted to do. Uh, and like that podcast and this podcast, they both have special places in my heart. Um, and I don't love one over the other, okay? But I do want to give big props to him for getting me into the podcast game uh, and then being supportive of this whole thing and giving me ideas when my head was like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm going to do next for the next movie. Uh, and also embracing my love for Jennifer Tilly. Uh, the second person that I want to thank is uh, a man by the name of Scott Crawford, who is a part of the Horror Drunks. And he was the first real fan, the first real person that reached out to the podcast and uh, told me what he thought about it and became a fan of the show. Uh, and he does the Horror Drunks podcast, which if you guys haven't listened to, please do so. Uh, and like that guy's been around since like maybe episode four, episode five, which to me is really fucking cool because I can't believe that I've done, I believe this is either 56 or 57, uh, but two years of this show. And, uh, you know, I, I want, do want to thank everybody that listens to this show because it, it does mean a lot. And, uh, I cannot believe that I'm still like happily doing this, watching these horrible movies or these so bad it's good movies that everything is still fresh and fun and that there's people out there that have helped me get to 10,000 listens and downloads for just a, sh a shitty little podcast that I do. Uh, so everybody out there that I appreciate, there's actually one more person that I need to shout out on this podcast. That's my wife. Um, and because she puts up with this shit, she has to stay quiet when I record. Uh, I take over the house whenever I do this. I'm constantly on the TV, like watching these movies and telling her to be quiet because I gotta do this shit. Uh, and she puts up with it and she lets me, well, not lets me, but she supports me in the whole process of making this podcast. So, um, to her, to Scott, to Patrick, to the other people that I've met through podcasting, even if we're just online friends or we're online acquaintances from uh, Beyond the Void, Laughing Horror Podcast, Don't Go Down That Road Podcast, uh, Phantom Dark Dave, who's a huge fucking supporter, and the Black Cat Podcast that he is a part of, um, 
you know, and especially the the other one is the guest that's going to be on this one because he is somebody else too that uh, he does a fantastic podcast uh, that I felt I had a little bit of help in getting him into the podcast game, uh, but not totally. He already had the idea in his head, uh, but uh, he it's so cool to know these people from different parts of the world just from doing a podcast about shitty horror movies. So now that I'm all nostalgic and that I have like made myself like in this state and planes are flying overhead while I'm fucking recording this, (laughs) please enjoy my two year anniversary, the start of season three, uh, Take a listen to Event Horizon. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve in the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix Paul W.S. Anderson, Morpheus, and Dr. Grant and put them in space? Why, you get... Event Horizon. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. In fact, this is the big two-year anniversary episode, so what the hell? I thought I'd bring on a guest with me. You can say hello. Hello, guys. How are things? Uh, you might remember this accent. I was the very first guest That's a right. long time ago. Nitty. Nearly a year, I'd say, is it? Almost a year. We did it uh, around, uh, I think we recorded in like November, October, and then we released in December. Oh, yes, yes. It's yes. been a long time. You had me watch that horrible film, <laughs> The Gate 2. Of course, my film wasn't any better. Yeah, it was It was an experience <laughs> to, <laughs> to relive that movie. But uh, we're also reliving Event Horizon today now. I can't wait for that. Oh, this is going to be a fun one, especially after that boring-ass title sequence. Good lord. I didn't. I thought there was a little something more to it, but that music is so horrible. And then it's just like a screen with like a black hole, I guess, uh, in the background. Yeah. Like you kind it's of kind of like that standard late nineties like techno cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were all going after the hype of uh, Mortal Kombat, right? So we need to have this techno type of music going on. I'm surprised I, there wasn't the somebody team- else in there. I think the main theme is like from the Prodigy, isn't it? Funk like in the credits or something. 
Well, I, shit, I don't know. I think the end credits definitely is a prodigy because it has those like tings and and little things in there that are like perfectly synonymous with them. Yeah, I suppose we're nearly uh, skipping to the end. I actually have to introduce myself in case there's any <laughs> you do. new listeners. I, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Guys, uh, my name is Richard, uh, also known online as The Fear Merchant, and I am host of The Bizarre Cast. That's B-A-Z-A-A-R cast, and I just interview lots of cool people. And I actually had yourself on a couple of uh, months ago and we were discussing Wonder Woman which is nothing got to do with horror <laughs> no nothing at all having to do with horror uh, though it had a great uh, scene of the uh, you know there there was a scene in this movie that reminded me of Wonder Woman with the uh, was it the meth uh, pellets oh yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's very good <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd bring Richard back and actually have him do a regular review with me, uh, like we did with the Versus Month. But, you know, it, since he was the first person to ever really reach out to me to want to be a part of the podcast, I thought, well, fuck, two years. Let's go ahead and do it again, and let's bring him in to do one of uh, my childhood favorite horror movies uh, and figure out, does this still stand up? Can you take uh, Morpheus and Dr. Grant and put them into space and make a good horror movie? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorites from uh, my childhood as well. It's actually mentioned in my little blurb on uh, .com, The uh, my reviewing kind of uh, page. It's like peeping through. I think it was late at night. I was at my grandparents' house. I was probably eight or nine. And uh, it was on late. I had to keep the volume down low. Huddled next to the CRT TV. <laughs> and uh, absolutely terrifying. And I think I ran back into bed. <laughs> <laughs> so nearly 20 years later, um, here I am again watching it for a lovely podcast. Who would have thought? Yeah, this is one of those films where uh, I had to beg my folks to go see it. Uh, and... You know, because we, we would always have to, like, everybody would get their turn. You know, my mom would get a film she'd want to see. My dad would get one. My sister would get one. And then I would get one. And normally I'd want to go see, like, the horror movies. And they were like, no, we don't. So I had to really beg them to go see this film. Uh, and I remember being, like, scared shitless to the point that, like, I wanted to leave the theater at that, <laughs> that time. <laughs> like no it's your your movie you have to stay here <laughs> <laughs> you made us go and we paid for your ticket we're sitting down <laughs> yeah i'm like i'll just go hang out in the arcade maybe i can play some like street fighter or something while you guys finish the film yeah or some mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> well if only mortal Kombat was released at the same time i would have snuck over into that film instead but it but like really the more that I've seen it at least as a kid I got more into it with the story uh, and of course you know Sam Neill really kind of brought me over because Jurassic Park was probably my favorite film uh, when I was a kid um, and I think The Matrix was actually sometime after this that was like what, 99 I want to say yes yeah I think it came out in 99 and then this is uh, if I want to be mistaken I think it is like 95 94 uh, I think this came out in 97 so oh, it's actually 20 right. years so we're 
we're, this is the two year anniversary of the show and it's the 20th anniversary of Event Horizon. And it's hilarious because we're actually kind of around the 20th anniversary of it, like almost to the date. By the time we're recording this podcast, I should say, oh, yeah. this is this is one of the many few times where we're recording this before the date it actually gets released. Uh, and it was released in the U.S. Uh, on August 15th and in the U.K. it was released on August 22nd. So, oh wow! It actually is nearly twenty years to the day. <laughs> yeah, we're we're like right snap, right in the middle between those two dates. So yeah. that's pretty hilarious that we're celebrating two anniversaries for this episode. Great. As long as I can talk properly for the rest of the episode, <laughs> we'll be good. <laughs> you don't want to know what we had to go through. This time, unlike the last time. <laughs> Well, you know, besides me wanting to shouting like, fuck Microsoft right now, <laughs> we had to get this episode together. But I do really appreciate that you're here with me and that we're going to be talking about this movie. Uh, yeah, I I was looking to someone about this movie, so I'm glad to be here. So let's go ahead and start off right after those horrible, horrible credits. Uh, and we get to see the inside of what you know we're led to believe is the event horizon and and honestly the like the model work of the ship is pretty good it looks pretty decent until you get inside and you get that really crappy late 90s cgi uh with all the crap that's floating around like the water bottles i think there was a banana for some (laughs) fucking reason (laughs) out of all the things that we could do with cgi a banana that's what we need for the scene Water effects like bugs are Yeah, it's flying around. It was no need. No, no need. And from there, after we see the inside of everything floating around, we get to meet Doctor Weir, played by Sam Neill, who probably be recognized as Doctor Grant, and probably called Doctor Grant for the rest of this podcast. Yeah, well, he's Willie Weir, so we call him Willie Weir for this <laughs> Doctor Willie Weir. That's right. He it's. I, the, every time I heard him get called that, and he only gets called that by one person who we'll talk about later in the podcast, um, it was just really weird because I thought, oh, she must be saying Billy or Bill, but no, Willie, the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and- <I'll> with- <laughs> I'm withholding my judgment that uh, Willie, but uh, no, there was a joke there somewhere, it's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is is he like he's going around his room and one he's in this place called daylight station which looks like the for it being like in 2030 right because it starts off right there's the the text before we meet willie here uh where it says in 2015 we did the very first colony on the moon um mm-hmm. which is Again, this is one of those things where it shows the the dating of the film. Like you would still think in two, 1997, like they wouldn't necessarily be referencing out 2015. Um, yeah, it's a little bit close, isn't it? Yeah, you would think they would still go further out, but they eventually do. I think it goes out to like 2040, somewhere around there. Yeah, it's uh, 50 years in the future. It's 2047. Oh, see, I didn't even catch that. So they've got 30 minute, 30 years to really catch up to everything here. Mm. Actually, yeah, because I think, yeah, I was actually wondering, is it set in the Blade Runner universe? Because it's 2047 as well. <laughs> I know, a, that's 2049, got, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's got two more years to catch up to Blade Runner. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, yeah. 
it it still could be. You never know. Harrison Ford might be on the planet. He's you know fighting the replicants. Uh, yeah. So when we see where Doctor Grant lives, we actually get one of our first jump scares in the movie, and this movie has a ton of them, and they're all like random things. And here it's a shutter. Like he lifts it up and. It makes a loud noise, and it's meant to kind of spook you. Um, and you get a, a picture of this, like, space station lives on that looks like a piece of crap, to be completely honest with you. Like, this is his, if this is his 2047, why does that look like something that was made in, like, 1992? You know, the, the Russians should be on that space station right now. Mm. It just seemed like a, you know, like an old rusty ship or something, like actually rusty, like brown, <laughs> all everywhere, dark. You'd nearly see like drips coming out of the ceiling if uh, there was actually any gravity. Yeah, and and this is where he's meant to like like live, right? Mm. He's got pictures of his, what I assume is his wife all over the counter, or some lady he's just completely obsessed with for some reason, uh, and then that's like. It he looks out into the darkness of space, and then we go over to the ship, and that's where we we don't really get introduced to our crew, uh, but we do get a nice introduction uh, to our crew. I believe this is ridiculous. I've got more than my hand in the last six weeks, and I this shit. Wait, why can't we go to Mars, Captain? I mean, Mars has got women. That's right. Neptune, there's nothing out there. Yeah, and if the shit goes down, we'll be on our own. You know the rules, people. If someone drops the ball, we get the call. Now, let's go. Okay, so the first thing that you notice about this scene is the ridiculous fucking chair that Lawrence Fishburne has. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and it comes into play again in another scene. And I'm just like, as the captain, wouldn't you want something that's kind of rooted down, like to the ground? Yeah. No, it looks so fucking rickety. It's like some thrown out prop from like Star Trek or something. <laughs> Not even. It's it's like a rejected... Well, it could be a part of like a Klingon ship, I guess. Uh, or maybe some type of Romulan vessel or something the Borg put together after they assimilated somebody. But it, it's like literally like hanging there and moving around. And in one of the scenes coming up, it it just looks so ridiculous. Uh, and he never seems to be facing the same direction every time he's in the goddamn chair. Mm, yeah, not a not a great seat for a captain. Was your man just saying there that he's had nothing but his hand for the last couple of months? And he's saying he needs women. Is that what we just witnessed there? I think that's what we just got, <laughs> is that they've been on a, a another mission and they barely got time off and now they need to go and get something, get his jimmies rustled, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you think in uh, 2047 they'd have, like, better uh, fleshlights by then? <laughs> 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 yes, because that's what I worry about in the future. I worry about whether or not the fleshlight game is super strong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, of course... They're going to set themselves into, like, a hypersleep because they need to go and reach uh, wherever they're going. Like, the crew doesn't really know what's going on. All they know is they're going to go out towards Neptune. Uh, and this brings out the whole uh, idea of the grav pods. Thanks, DJ. 
That's off in the tank, sir. First time on a grab couch? Yeah. Uh-huh. I think the captain has some kind of a problem with me. Oh, well. Don't worry about him. He just loves having complete strangers on his ship. DJ? Yeah. Is this necessary? When the ion drive fires, you'll be taking about 30 Gs. Without a tank, the force will liquefy your skeleton. See the effect on my. So, I've been guessing the grav couches, the grav tanks, where the fuck they are, they're like they're a really good thing, right? Because you're basically not going to liquefy yourself uh, while you travel across the universe. Yeah, well, we don't know about your man now. He might want to liquefy something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's definitely not going to be those fake-ass models inside of the damn, uh, like, things. When they go to the next scene, like, you can tell they're going to focus on uh, our friend Dr. Grant here because all the other, like, models that are inside the grab tanks, they're obviously mannequins, and they're not very good mannequins at that. Like... They they basically kind of blur the faces of everybody in there, and the only one that's moving at all is Sam Neill. Yeah, doesn't he actually have the worst dad bod you've ever seen? Like <laughs> when he when he actually eventually comes out, he's like sucky in his old man gut. He's like such like Sean Connery chest going on, and <laughs> like oh man. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kind of has. Knew you're going to be in some grab couch. I would say that he has Zardoz chest going on here, right? Like, all he needs is that ridiculous, like, bikini outfit, and he'd be perfect to be in the Zardoz sequel. Yeah, yeah. He he just looks, like, fat skinny, like his little gangly arms, and he's sucking in his gut. And he doesn't even quite look like he did back in Jurassic Park. Like, he actually kind of worked out for this, too, because I think he had more of a chubby type of bod in Jurassic Park, where here <laughs> it looks like he's actually, like, kind of slimmed himself down, like, in the Mouth of Madness era of Sam Neill. All right, yeah. Maybe he could have just worn a T-shirt. He, maybe he was self-conscious. He could have kept it on. <laughs> he's like, guys, no, no, please. Only keep the camera above the man tits. I can't, can't do anything <laughs> below here. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty bad. He looks not in great shape. No, I I, well, I will say at this point too, like Lawrence Fishburne, he's kind of skinny for Fishburne in this one. Yeah, he is actually. I was quite surprised. He's just gotten fatter as the years went by. Well, even like here to Morpheus, which is only two years, he seemed like he gained some extra pounds in between them. I mean, he still has, you know, it's not quite the Paul Shear gap in his teeth, but he still has that as being a pretty predominant thing. But I think that, like, looking at him from uh, his previous appearance on the podcast being Nightmare on Elm Street 3 to here, he doesn't look like that changed. Though he did look hipper back then than he does now. Mm. Well, maybe he just got that... You know, that money going, so he's eating out every day instead of ramen noodles. <laughs> he's no longer a bit part Fishburn. Yeah. He's full Darn fledged Fishburn. Fishburn now. <laughs> full fed Fishburn. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, <laughs> Dr. Grant <laughs> wakes up uh, and he falls out of the, the pod and he's looking around the ship. Uh, and then he gets one of our first kind of freakouts in the movie. But also, man, you have to listen to the yell. Billy? 
so cold. every time it gets him and then there's one from justin later on who's one of the crew members uh they're my two favorite parts of the whole goddamn movie (laughs) he sounds like a dog that can't back properly like oh man Oh, but there's also that awful CGI that they do with uh, that lady's eyes. And, of course, that lady is Claire, who is in all the pictures on his desk, right? And so now there's type of... You you start thinking, well, what was the relationship between the two of them? There's obviously something there. And why the hell is she missing her eyes? And why her eyes look so goddamn horrible? Like, Mm. those sockets, it's obviously, like... (laughs) It's like she just put a put green, you know, green felt over her eyes, and they CGI'd that like depth in there, uh, but they didn't know exactly how to do it. Yeah, I'm actually wondering though, right? Because I watched this on Netflix, I think, and it was in HD. But like, I originally watched this when it was on a shitty, like, fuzzy CRT. Mm-hmm. So maybe it just looked a lot better. And all these movies now getting like ported to HD just looked like absolute shite. Yeah, it, I watched a Blu-ray version of this, and it just some of those things. Like there, there are some things that look great when they're kind of a mix of practical and and CG that you can tell, uh, especially when they get to the ship and the set designs within the ship are fantastic. I still think those hold up really well. But some of this early CGI where they were trying to do something different and interesting, um, you, you're right when they do upgrade it to an hd level it doesn't work i'm not saying this is lawnmower man type of bad uh, cgi where that doesn't hold up back then and doesn't hold up now no way uh but i think back in the day it definitely was something that was freakier especially when you saw it in the theater i think it maybe because of also what our eyes are kind of trained to see right now you think it was that bad to be fair it just looked like it got worse as the movie went on. Because yeah, there was also a scene with, uh, not jumping ahead too far, but with our good doctor where he has a CGI'd face, and that looks worse than this does. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, after this happens, uh, everybody wakes up, uh, and we get to experience uh, probably my favorite character in the movie, uh, a little bit of Cooper and his humor. You okay, Doc? Want some coffee? What? Would you like some coffee? <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, suit yourself. What about you, Stark? Would you like something hot and black inside you? Oh, is that an offer? It is not. Then I'll have some coffee then. Stark. So we've got one of my favorite characters and one of my least favorite characters in the same screen. Yeah, That's, no, that was that was great lines there from Cooper. Yeah, I mean, it's it gets you kind of in, you know where that character stands. And then you have Stark, and she's such a boring fucking character. Even when yeah. shit is going crazy, she still talks, Oh, well, you know, 
shit's going down. Yeah, she's very wooden in fairness. She was actually one of the most boring characters in the whole show. Mm-hmm. There wasn't and- there wasn't actually much happening because the other guy Smith, who actually played, uh, what's your man's name, Alfred in Go- the Gotham show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like kind of fun, but I think it's only because he's a different accent where he kind of stands out. Yeah, and and he is the the main pilot of the ship. Uh, mm. Even you've got DJ uh, who is trauma. You know, actually, let's go ahead and meet the ragtag crew. All boards yes. are green. Everything's oh, five by five. You sir, been notified of our position? Yes, sir. All right, people, listen up. DJ. As you all know, we have an addition to our crew. Dr. Weir, are you here to join us? <laughs> Introductions all around. This is my XO, Lieutenant Stark. Mr. Justin, engineering. The funky spaceman over here is Mr. Cooper. What exactly is it you do on board this ship, Coop? Listen up, Doc. I'm your best friend, okay? I'm the lifesaver and the heartbreaker. He's a rescue technician. This is Peters, medical technician, and my pilot, Mr. Smith. The gloomy Gus in the corner over there, that's... Uh... TJ. Trauma. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Now we all know each other. Skipper, I got a question. Sure. What the fuck are we doing way out of here? Oh, perhaps the good doctor will be kind enough to tell us. So there's the whole crew that we've got here. So we got Peters, who, when we first get introduced to her, we learned that she's got a crippled kid that's back home and... I, I don't know. She's like fighting for custody of the kid. Yeah, like that was just kind of really forced exposition backstory, which I was like, mm, we don't care. Like we just know she's going to be fodder. Yeah. Like most most of the crew seems to just be fodder lineup. Like because uh, I don't know. Like there's obviously uh, Morpheus is the captain or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but then Smith is a pilot. But it's, there's also an XO. So why is there like is there three people that can fly the ship? Like, what does Lawrence Fishburne do? Is he just like fucking? <laughs> he just, he sits is he in middle the management that does nothing? <laughs> is he just like your typical manager in an office? Well, well he's like your Luke, you know, Captain he Luke delegates. card here. Yeah. He just says go here, go there, right? And then he sits in the little swivel chair uh, <laughs> <laughs> that just goes over a place. Like, I really want to put Benny Hill music to the chair moving around uh, mm. constantly. Uh, it's so fucking ridiculous. Um, and then you have uh, Stark, who is kind of... I don't know if she's like a navigator or like his right-hand person. Whatever the hell she is, she's just kind of there. Uh, you have two people that are medical, Peters and uh, DJ, right? But DJ is there for the extreme stuff, and she's there for the regular stuff. Like, I stub mm. my toe, and he's like, oh, you lost an arm? Okay, I'll help you there. Uh, mm. And then you got... Cooper, who honestly, like out of everybody that does their role in this film, seems to love his role the most out of yeah. everything that he does, and that that makes him my favorite character in this movie. Uh, but he's the the helper and the saver and the repairer, and like he does everything. Again, yeah, black man does everything for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just kind of felt they were trying to go for like. You know, an alien where it was just essentially like space truckers and everyone was just like normal. Mm-hmm. But in this, like half the crew are coming across like that they're military, like straight laced sort of stuff. But it's like, no, you're just like a normal kind of crew. Like I thought anyway, like well, Cooper's all jokes, but other people seem to have zero banter or chemistry. Yeah. 
Well, even when you have, there's, between Justin and Peters, there's, like, they call each other, like, Mama Bear and Baby Bear. She kind of treats him like his, her son. But you don't, other than them really saying it in one scene, you don't really feel it from the rest of the movie. Yeah, that kind of put me off a little bit because it was like, this is kind of creepy. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't like really fit in. They didn't like set it up enough. Yeah, there there wasn't that interaction between the two of them to get like the mother-son type of relationship going on. And And truly, there really is no interaction between any of the crew that much. There's a couple of decent to good scenes where you see that. There's one great scene with... Uh, with Lawrence Fishburne and DJ, that's towards mm. the end of the film, uh, and it probably has the best acting from Lawrence Fishburne in this movie in it. Uh, but it really doesn't add a whole like it comes so late to when like he experiences something. It's so hard not to like jump way ahead right now, but when he experiences something, it, it it's so late in the film that all of a sudden he decides to talk about it. it's like. Okay, like, so what? What relevance does this have to the rest of the plot? Other than yeah. it's kind of a cool scene. Let's just move it along. Yeah. So they do finally get uh, Willie here to break down what the real mission uh, of well, what the guess what they're doing is. Everything I'm about to tell you is considered code black by the NSA. USAC intercepted a radio transmission from a decaying orbit around Neptune. The source of this transmission has been identified as the Event Horizon. Yeah, well, that's bullshit. Start. It's good for you to me off leave. All right. Who right. Cooper, as you were, let the man speak. What was made public about the Event Horizon, that she was a deep space research vessel, that her reactor went critical, and that the ship blew up? None of that is true. The Event Horizon is the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. Oh, no, excuse me. You see, you can't actually do that. The law of relativity prohibits faster-than-light travel. Relativity, yes, we can't break the law of relativity. We can go around it. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. How? Well, it's, it's difficult to... It's all math. Try us, Doctor. Right, well, uh, using Lehman's terms, use a rotating magnetic field to focus a narrow beam of gravitons. These, in turn, fold space-time consistent with veil tensor dynamics until the space-time curvature becomes infinitely large and you produce a singularity. Now, a singularity... Layman's terms. Well, fuck layman's terms. Do you speak English? So, the first thing that he does when he goes to explain uh, how it works, and then this goes along with your theory that he's only had his hand to work with, he grabs a poster from Smith's Wall that looks like, uh, you know, Lucy Lawless from Xena, <laughs> from Warrior Princess. Uh... And explains that, uh, no, the the closest points together is not a straight line, but to fold the universe in half and then have the ship go through that fold point and pop out on the other side. And so yeah. when the Event Horizon did that, they disappeared and now all of a sudden it's back. 
Yeah, no, that was actually one of the scenes which really stuck out in my mind that I can remember. But just listening back on it there now, like, I hate the way they just do, like, nonsense jargon. And it's oh, like, yeah. oh, you speak English? And it's like, you literally just made this, like, two-minute scene just to, like, pad two minutes. He could have just been like, oh, yeah, we went from point A to point B and I folded over. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. cool. But it's, he was like, oh, the law of relativity, but there's actually a theory of relativity, and then gravitons don't actually exist. Do you know, all shit like that. It's just like, oh, well, if, you, if you're going to half-ass a jargon, you might as well not have it. If everyone's like, speak English, you, you motherfucker, <laughs> what? It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things that happens in a lot of shitty sci-fi movies, uh, where there's a lot of exposition that really doesn't need to happen. Uh, especially when you're like, it's kind of like you're trying to prove, oh, well, he's just so smart, you know, compared to everybody else that's a part of this mission that, oh, ha ha, he can't explain what it is, but yet he can. Like, yeah. and well, he does it very simply by just using a piece of paper. I think it was just like adding to this like forced animosity that they had. It's like, oh yeah, who's this fucker on this ship? Fuck him. He's a new guy. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And it's like, hang on now a second. <laughs> Your superior officers, if you're all acting military, told you this fucker is going on the ship. And then the second he speaks, you know, scientifically, because he's actually a scientist, they're like, oh, you're, you're spastic. Like, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you speak <laughs> English, boy? And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't like, you speak the mother tongue, you asshole? Yeah, they're just like making uh. this just like divide that they're like dividing him for no reason. Well, just to give like a distance that the, he ends up being like out on his own kind of thing because no one trusts him for no reason. Yeah, at this point, it really it seems like it's for no reason, but I think ultimately it does become for a reason for what happens with the character. Like, if yeah, you're but no one knows at, that. Yes, yeah, just at, like you're making us point, go to Neptune. Yeah, like what the hell? And then they, he tells you something top secret, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, well, fuck <laughs> you then." Take like English peas. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, and they also don't want anything to do with it, but they're already out there. Like, what are they going to do? Just turn the ship around and go home? No, they'll all uh, go to their private quarters and use those hands again. <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck with my Xena Warrior Princess poster, man. I need that for later. Yeah. <laughs> Xenomorph Warrior would have been better at this stage. That that probably would have been a lot better. Then we could combine a bunch of universes. Maybe David from Prometheus and uh, Alien Covenant <laughs> could show up. Waves on his way past. <laughs> like, what the hell was Michael Fassbender doing in this movie? <laughs> Could be in here somewhere. There's loads of like weird cameos that I, f- I found. Because just again, going back to your man Smith, because it was just weird when I went to watch Revenge Horizon. It was the next day I watched uh, this movie Doomsday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever see it. It's like where uh, there's a plague up in Scotland and they build like a 60 foot wall across it like the old Hadrian's wall I'm deviating now a big bit but he was actually in it as well so it was like two days in a row completely different <laughs> movies and he's in the movie so I was like going through his whole back catalogue nearly well you, <laughs> like you know all days. of these horror movies are just connected in some way shape or form yeah like, it's a multiverse like always been somebody's been somewhere else like even looking at you look at Lawrence Fishburne the fact that he was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 you know, back in the day, now it suddenly connects to here. This is that character all grown up, now going into space somehow 60 years later. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a great old genre to, like, 
people to cut their teeth because you know uh, there's so many horror movies get churned out but if you show any promise like Kevin Bacon was in Hal- uh, Friday the 13th part mm-hmm. 1 and all that kind of stuff like all these cool actors actually make it out of horror most of the time yeah well because you you show a a commitment to the craft I think by doing kind of anything you know when yeah. it comes to horror it's it could be any type of scene that you're going to be in and if you're willing to do it then hey you know maybe you're going to grow but it does tend to seem to be the more male actors tend to make it out of horror than the female actors do i mean for every jamie lee curtis we probably have about four or five different male actors that have gone on to have bigger uh you know careers yeah they just get like uh stuck in the scream queen sort of realm don't they mm-hmm. well getting back to the film uh, <laughs> yes, my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so from here, we now get to hear uh, the last transmission that was given uh, from the ship. And of course, like with everything else in this movie, uh, filters solve everything. TDRS did receive this single transmission. Listen to this. Houston passed the same recording through several filters, managed to isolate what appears to be a human voice. I'm not even sure if it qualifies as language. Latin. What? I think it sounds like Latin. Can you translate it? Play it again. Okay. You hear that? Sounds like Liberate me something. I don't know. I can't make out the rest. Liberate me. Save me. So he they don't understand the jargon that uh, Willie here can spout out, but somehow somebody on the crew knows Latin. Yeah. Like I mean, randomly? Yeah, like a little point on that guy, right? If they're giving out about Willy Weir talking about Gravitrons and all that bollocks, and then they have this asshole of a like a stoic dude who just sits in silence, like, why aren't they giving him more shit? Oh, look at you, Brainiac. You know how to you know Latin here. You, you fucking boffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Save me, bitch. <laughs> and can we just mention that... All the other screaming and shit sounds like some bad fucking Halloween prop toy that you might have in your garden. Oh yeah, like that. It's that one thing when you walk by the window, it automatically starts playing, you know, to freak the yeah. little kids out. And or like then, the hellscape kind of scene of like. Urgh. Yeah, well then you know the blood orgy it, it emits onto the screen that's on your window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody has that, right? Yeah. <laughs> But it's just crazy. Like, they're all like, they hear this, and then it's like, okay, yeah, we're still totally going to go. Like, nothing could possibly go wrong because nobody's seen this ship in fuck how many years. And then all of a sudden, uh, here it comes back and it sends a transmission of people screaming in agony and somebody saying, save me. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. It, it still makes no sense why why anybody's going to go through with this. But of course, you know the guys here are going to. Well, we all know what like the precious cargo is on the event horizon, don't we? Those Do- those co- those corn trees. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I am gotta never going to live that shit down. <laughs> they I thought go it was going to be the bananas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was actually uh, a corn from the corn tree. <laughs> Oh. Floating around. Well, maybe we can get one of the children of the corn to come back here, and uh, <laughs> you know, maybe Jason's gonna Jason X is now gonna show up randomly in this movie thanks to you. Uh, Jason X is gonna be in the corn trees. <laughs> well, now we get to see them. They're they're flying down upon the event horizon, and they're going through the atmosphere of Neptune, and it's all going crazy. This is the scene where his chair just goes absolutely nuts. Every time they cut back in, he's facing one way and it's shaking like crazy. And then it cuts back outside and then it cuts back in and his chair is now facing the back of the ship. Like (laughs) the most useless fucking chair in all of history. Uh, and that it can't even stay, can't even stay forward. Like I can understand if maybe you have for like aerodynamic or whatever, you know, you, it turns when you turn or whatever, but the fact that it's just moving everywhere makes no fucking sense. Uh, mm. And then this also has to be the inspiration for the beginning of Dead Space. Like, the way that they fly in. I don't know if you've ever played that uh, I have. I was actually going to mention Dead Space later on that I think they pretty much just took the story of Event Horizon and made it into a game. I think they took they took parts of it and they modified it so that it fits the narrative that they want because of course there really isn't any type of monster in this film uh, mm. but the idea of like the, like the cult idea with the whole marker and that type of thing uh, definitely has a lot of similarities of what this could have become but like this scene specifically of them flying basically into the front of the ship. Uh, is almost ripped out completely by the guys over there at Dead Space. Mm. Or visceral games, I should say. You can call that an homage, not yes. a, a rip. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to get out of copyright. It's, it's an homage. It's an omelette du homage, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn Dexter's Laboratory. Um, so... They also happen to have the best reverse thrusters on, like, any ship ever. Because the moment that they see the front of the event horizon, they're able to stop on almost a dime. Like, everything is foggy up until that point, and then all of a sudden, here's the front of the ship. Oh, reverse thrusters, everybody. Oh, yay, we we stop with plenty of space. He's the best pilot in the world, mate. (laughs) And soon he's going to work for the Penguin. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) so they end up finding uh well dr weir points them to an entry point on the side of the ship because they're getting life readings from the ship for some reason uh even though they can't pinpoint anything down so they decide that hey they're gonna do this the old-fashioned way they're gonna go onto the ship uh you know captain fishburn here along with two of his subordinates mama and baby bear they're going to go onto the ship and scan for life forms. And of course, Dr. Weir, he wants to go with them. Doctor, I'm going to need you here on the bridge. Captain, I 
didn't come out all this way just to sit on your bridge. I need to be on that ship. Once we've secured the ship, we'll bring you on no, board. I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. I need to be on that ship. Once we've secured the ship, that's the way it is. I need you to guide us from the comm station. This is where I need you. Help us do our job. So, again, this is something that, like, it's giving that character that little extra kind of, like, obsessiveness uh, that he has to be a part of the ship. But, like, he should really know that that's their job. Just like they should know that he's, like, you know, the brains of the operation and, you know, his jargon should be jargon for what it is. They should also, he should also know that they're the ones that should be going onto the ship and doing everything first, making sure it's okay, and then letting you on board. Yeah, well, I don't know. They've, like, come millions of miles or kilometers or whatever. So it's like, oh, man, I'm fucking sick of this ship and use my hand so I need to go on the event horizon and maybe get my wife. <laughs> because, you know, a ship that's been disappeared for so long, you, there's going to be some over, over there that's going <laughs> to, you know, have a warm place for you to stick it into. Yeah. They indeed. could meet their husband, too. This is the future. <laughs> Now I know what happened to her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that wasn't the joke from earlier, was it? <laughs> so, of course, he he stays back on the ship reluctantly, uh, and they go onto the ship, and they notice something uh, kind of strange that's on like the big bridge portion of the ship that gives us a lot of foreshadowing. Doctor, what are these? Yeah, I've got another one over here. They're all over the place. In an emergency, they destroy the central corridor and split the ship in half. And then the crew can use the Fordex as a lifeboat. Okay, so I wonder what's going to happen later on in the movie and if those things are going to become any type of, like, issue or maybe they're going to be used later on. Like, that's so blatantly obvious of some things that are going to happen later on. Yeah, like, that's so cliche of, like, what are these bombs doing here? I don't know. Let's forget about those. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. How, who would even think of using these bombs? I mean, why would we put them? We're going to put them on here. It's just a failsafe, just in case we need to use it at the front. It's a life sh- vessel, a life ship. Like. Mm. Uh, they're not going to be used for anything else whatsoever. And I know that my young mind probably just totally dismissed whatever it was. Oh, okay. Bombs there. (laughs) Yeah, I I think uh, I wasn't seeing that now when I was, I don't know, six or seven watching this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then we, uh, we get, you know, they all kind of spread out on the ship. Justin, he gets to go off by himself towards engineering and, of course, uh, Peters and Fishburne here. Uh, really, his name is Miller, right? Just just so that I know this, because I'm just going to probably call him Fishburne for the rest of the goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Captain Miller. That's right. So, Captain Fishburne here, he goes along with Peters. Uh, and then she's kind of exploring the front of the ship, like uh, the main part. And we actually get one of our few jump scares that's not just random items what the hell happened to his eyes explosive decompression decompression doesn't do that looks like it was caused by it i don't know an animal or something another damage to the soft tissue 
Massive operations. Corpsicle. That's not nice to call one of the members of the crew. <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's like, that wasn't decompression. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just somehow managed to get on the ship before everybody. <laughs> he couldn't wait any longer. He like, I, I'm ahead of them. <laughs> wait, where have you been? Nowhere. <laughs> I can't use my hands. This is no more. <laughs> This poor guy, he's just... I really need to know the backstory now of this guy. Like, like, life finds a way. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, okay, so now we see that he, this corpse that's just floating in there because the gravity is currently turned off, uh, he is just completely like mutilated right from head to toe he's also missing his eyes uh and as you heard within there uh they they're not quite sure dj thinks it's possibly an animal that did it but what animal would be able to survive in, in that ship space uh, cats obviously. space cats oh those deadly space cats! i think it's scary terry to be honest with you just got him in his dreams bitch uh <laughs> So, it, there's you get to go then see uh, what Justin is looking at. And he actually goes down to where um, the, basically what they call the gate. And this is what powers the, the engine that allows them to fold space-time. And it's honestly put in one of the like, creepiest areas of the ship. Like... Why would you create something like that? You've got the catwalk that you got to go down, and it's, it looks like spinning blades. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then even when you go into where the uh, the gate thing is, this giant like circle surrounded with like lights that spin around it. That for some reason it's still spinning, yet there's no power on there, and the lights are still working, and that doesn't freak Justin out. But there's all these spikes all over the goddamn room too, and it's like. Do you, do you have to create like the most evil and creepy looking thing just to house uh, your little gravity generator where the fuck this thing is? Yeah, I mean, actually, that nearly pissed me off watching this again because it was like, you had to design this to be like a steampunk uh, masochist, like fucking Hellraiser room. I think someone had to design this. There was hundreds of workers trying to build this room or whatever, and it's like, you have a meat grinder corridor for no reason, it seems, to go into this ball of spikes. And it's like, I wouldn't want to go on this ship. If I was like, oh, we're taking off, look at this ominous fucking death <laughs> circle, I'd be like, fuck that. I'm not going with you. Guess what? You're one of the engineers and you have to wait in this death circle while we lift off. Uh... Like, I'd rather use my hands, mate. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the thing is, is how ridiculous it is. It does look really good still. Like the no, set design it of it. It's cool, but it's in cool. the context of the universe, it's a bit stupid. Yeah, it's dumb in in that regard. Especially since you know that, like, you know the type of movie this is. Like, if it had just been like 
a normal like air hanger for a spaceship, whatever that's going to look like, and just to even to have like just the spinny thing there, I can understand this. This gyro force like circles this helps power the thing or keeps power or whatever. You could explain that, but the fact that you have to have you know uh, the meat grinder corridor and you have to have the spike ball room uh, at the end of it makes absolutely no sense. It's like a bad episode of like Beastmaster or Gladiators, something like that. <laughs> yes, this is American Gladiators now, and uh, one of the ladies she's going to pop out on top of it and start firing fucking little tennis balls at the people uh, from from inside whatever the the thing is that Justin finally sees when he gets close up. Mm. I don't know. Did you actually ever play uh, Conquer's Bad Friday? Did you? No, I did not. I was not an N sixty four owner. I've you seen a get, lot of it, though. Did you get the Xbox remake or anything like that when no. it came out? Nope. Uh, I think there's a multiplayer map, which is basically the Event Horizon corridor, and at the end, on both sides, there's a spinny ball of death. It just reminded me now. Maybe something to check out, listeners. Yes. You might catch my reference there, because uh, Terrible Terror here didn't uh, really pick up on that. No, I didn't. Um, the only thing I ever think about when I think about Conquer's Bad Fur Day is the you know, poo boss that everybody <laughs> fucking talks about for every fucking list there ever is ever. <laughs> the great mighty poo. Legend. Yes. So uh, when Justin approaches the giant orb surrounded by spiky things that's floating in the middle of the, the place there, uh, it opens up and it's like a darkness there. And what's his first reaction? reaction like what would be your first reaction if that all of a sudden stopped these lights popped up looking right at you and it's just nothingness there (laughs) well they're obsessed with their hands here so he puts his hands in of course but like what would you do like i'd just get the fuck out of there like why would you be so like okay creepy ass room bright lights nothingness i'd throw the uh banana in there or something I was about to say, well, I'd stick my dick in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to the punch there. <laughs> so, of course, he does go in there and put his hand in. And it looks like even the effect where he wipes like the liquid, the coolant, off of the, the command center uh, doesn't look terrible for for the time. And even when he puts his finger in and he pulls a little bit of the black gooiness of whatever that is, uh, doesn't look terrible it's not like the worst cg in the world for this point um but of course he does get sucked into the portal uh and that causes uh everything just to go haywire like a giant emp goes off type of blast uh which rips open a port uh in the other ship uh, and Cooper, he runs to go save Justin. But of course, they've got to make uh, quick decisions on how to save everybody on the Lewis and Clark. Where you been all my life? We have a major situation here. We must solve a battle at the house speed break. Ah, the safety tactics save us. Fail. Do we have time for a well? Yes, sir. We've got 280 liters of gas left, sir. And then we got nothing. The oxygen tanks, they failed. They're broken. Sir, we are fucking dead. What about the Emerald Horizon? What? She's coming out of power. It's our only chance. There's no way I'm getting on that bastard. We don't even know what happened on that set. It's being saved, Mr. Smith. I want all personnel on board the Event Horizon Pronto. We'll meet at the air tanks. I'm ahead of you, sir. Bringing all thermal units online. Hold tight. 
What about the Event Horizon? It's got sex robots on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm just thinking, just listening to that being like, the second shit like that happens, I'd be like, well, fuck this. Go on, get the air, and we're going back to Earth. Fuck that. Yeah. Let, let's fix this and just let, let's fucking go. Like, let's just blow it up. Things are happening. It's going crazy. We can make a lifeboat. Hey, we probably have everything that we need on the front of the the Van Horizon, right? Because we've got, you know, if we get power to everything, we can get all the logs. And we've got a dead body there that we can research and see what's going on. And just ditch everything behind. (laughs) Well, knowing how good those fucking reverse thrusters were, they could pull it back home. Yeah, they could do the same thing. And... You do get the cool shatter effect of the body when the gravity does go on. Uh, yeah, that was cool. That's one of the, the cooler things that d- does happen in the film. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you then get them, you know, Cooper manages to save Justin. Uh, and uh, they all meet back at the front of the ship. Uh, and it's it's kind of a weird situation because they kind of go into this weird like calm before the storm type of thing where they're all like relaxed but of course they know shit's gonna go down uh which ends up leading to miller and willie having an argument over what exactly is in the core look skip i know this shit sounds weird but i mean it was like nothing and then justin appeared in in um it was liquid and the whole cords turns out it's just not physically possible. Doctor, please, please, don't start in with that physics shit. I'm telling you, I saw it. It would mean the gateway was open. Well, then that's it. That's, that's, that's it. That's, the gateway was open. That's the gateway what I couldn't be open because the gravity drive wasn't activated. Look, I'm telling you what I saw, Doctor. What the fuck? Nobody's talking to you. By itself. Mr. Cooper, you are out of line. Doctor, Mr. Justin may die. Now, I have to assume that whatever happened to him could happen to all of us. Mr. Cooper says he saw something. I believe he saw something. I need an explanation. In my view, Mr. Cooper's delusional, if you don't mind my saying so. But maybe he saw an optical effect caused by gravitational distortion. An optical effect? That's fucking poetic. Where the fuck? Cooper! Gravitational distortion. What could create that, Doctor? If somehow a burst of gravity waves escape from the core, it could distort space-time, it could make Justin seem to disappear, it could also have damaged the Lewis and Clark. However, I think this is entirely unlikely. What's in the core, Doctor? It's complicated. Well, how much time do you need? We have 17 hours and 48 minutes. What's in the core? So, this is kind of like a... He he doesn't want to give away all the secrets of what's kind of going on, but now that shit has gone down, he has to kind of say a little more than he wants to, right? Yeah, big time. Yeah, because I'm just wondering now, does he know what's there based on his, like, visions of his wife or his lover or something? Does he know what's on the event horizon? Or is he, like just getting those terrors because we don't want to jump ahead and it's all like preemptive to what happens later 
but going on the information we have, does he know what's happening? Or is he like, oh, See, I don't actually know what's in the core? I don't think he knows what has happened with the crew and where everything has gone. Uh, because he eventually does learn of that, and he's still a little bit in that phase, but I think he's, like, he doesn't want... it's. He, this is kind of the time of his, like, transformation. Like, he still does things that are, like, opposite of where he is. Like, he doesn't want to give... He's very secretive and doesn't want to give a lot of information to these guys. And even when he's kind of forced to explain what exactly the gravity engine does, uh, he still is a little reluctant to it. But and he's still he's also kind of wary of what's going on. Yet this is, I think, the point where he kind of makes that starts making the transition that we see later on. Mm, yeah, big time. But again, I think. Cooper seems to be the realest person there, but everyone's like, shut the fuck up. But it's like, I saw what I saw. He fucking walked out of it. Well, shut yeah, and it happens again later when I think, and this is getting a little ahead of it, but where Peters sees what's, like, it comes after this when they, they inspect again, but everybody gets something at some point in this film, and yet he still acts like, oh, well, nothing's going on really you know mm. even yeah, after yeah. he experiences something similar to that and he's been experiencing it like he was the very first one to see a vision uh, of something in the future uh, you know or something in the past that's affected him that may come back to haunt him in the future mm. yeah so well let's let it uh mr weird here explain what exactly is in the gravity drive now, these three magnetic rings, when they align, it creates an artificial black hole, which allows the ship to travel to any point in space. A black hole, the most destructive force in the universe. And you've created one? Absolutely, yes, because we can use that immense power to bend space-time. Look, it'll take the Lewis and Clark a thousand years to reach our nearest star. But the event horizon could be there in a day. If it worked. You can come down. It's perfectly safe. Okay, is a black hole really that safe? Like, even if it's contained inside this, like, evil monstrosity? Hmm. Well, what I was wondering as well is, like, why the fuck would you have a black hole magnetic ring grinder room just open to anyone? <laughs> yeah, no, no type of security to get in there? Yeah, not even that, but it, it should just be, like, you know, taken off that it's like an engine room that like no one can go in there or, it's you know. its own like little secluded area instead of it being like the the openness that they have yeah it just it would be like you know someone going for a swim in like a nuclear reactor water cooler tower or something <laughs> like, <laughs> like what are you doing get out of there yeah, well, just hang out with the black hole. Like, does the question is is like, does it need to open up like it did every time for when it needs to run, or is it supposed to be like contained Spinning inside the time, there? Yeah. yeah, right. So it just stays like it is, but that it opened is that something that's supposed to be weird, or is that something that actually happens every time it does? Because then I would say there should never be anybody in there, like whenever it's going to engage, right? But they yeah. have like the platforms and the control panels to like engage it. 
like yeah. sitting right there. And they're also like, you know, changing their own lore because your man was going on about like bending space time and creating singularity, but it's like, oh, this is a black hole. We can travel in the black hole, but the black hole never moves. It's like, what? Why are you talking about fucking black holes? You never mentioned them before, you fucking gowl. <laughs> you stupid fool. Well, maybe he was just trying to hide the fact, like, oh, this is how it works. But what they do is, oh, we generate a black hole, and then we end outside of the black hole on the other side. Yeah, but it, in, he, instead of doing all the stupid dragon at the start, he could have just been like, well, the ship creates a black hole, and we fucking slipper Dixon, and we get you know, sucked <laughs> through the universe or something. Like It could have been something like that, instead of hurdly-dur, dragon, and everyone's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to start using hurdly dur uh, for things <laughs> later on. <laughs> so, and here too, when he looks at the the whatever the gravity drive or whatever it's called, uh, he kind of looks like it's calling to him, doesn't he? Like he looks yeah. at it like longingly, uh, like I I cannot wait to fuck you when nobody's around. <laughs> Yeah, big time. And from here, we cut back over to Peters, and she's watching over Justin, who's now just knocked the fuck out, right? And yeah. he, all of a sudden, she starts hearing weird noises, and then she gets a vision of her crippled son uh, when she removes the covers off one of the med bays, and you look down at his legs, and his legs are completely, like, cut open with giant sores, and it's a little disgusting. Uh, but she freaks out and then runs away. And that's one of those weird jump scares that we get, too, when she reveals it. And, oh, there's a child that's there. Yeah. And she yeah, gets yeah. interrupted with uh, DJ, too, right? Like, he comes behind her while she's, like, staring at this and then, like, interrupts the whole vision of what's going on. Mm. Is DJ, yeah, he's a Latin guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, he's just, like, creeping around the place. Just, like, just Just know. going everywhere. Yeah, know? yeah. Trying to find everything. He's, he's not like... Meanwhile, we have Cooper and Smith. They're working on repairing the ship so they, they can get the hell out of there. Because Smith, he's probably the other smart one. He doesn't want anything to do with being there. He just wants to get away as fast as possible. Mm. And that's when they... Going through the records of the ship, they discover the final transmission uh, from the people on the ship. And again... Using multiple filters, that's just... Do filters really do anything? That's... Like, in this, it's every time that we need to figure something out. Oh, I gotta run through another filter. Oh, and another filter. Like, even when the the big reveal of the video that comes out, it was... It's like, the final filter finally did what it needed to do so that you could see it. Yeah, no, that just pissed me off, the whole... I don't know, is it coming up? But it was like... No, I think it's much later, but you know the Latin part, and it's like filter, filter. It's like CSI. It's like enhance, enhance. <laughs> That's enhance. exactly what I was thinking. Well, yeah. here's the filtered last message from the crew. I want to say how proud I am of my crew. I'd like to name my station heads: Chris Chambers, Janice Rubin, Ben Fender, Dick Smith. We've reached safe distance. This is John Kilpeck, ship's captain. And are preparing to engage the gravity drive and open the gateway to Proxima Centauri. Ave Aquae Vale. 
Hail and farewell. What is that? I'll run it through a few filters, see if I can clean it up. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Instantly, like, gotta get those filters. <laughs> oh, well, we can't see it. There's, It's all of a sudden random. It's all scrambled up. What, what possibly could have happened here? But get those filters on it, Johnson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Filter me up, Scotty. <laughs> I think that's what Steve's going to say to the people there on Mars when he gets there. (laughs) Big time. So now we're downstairs or back in the med bay with DJ watching over Justin. And then he starts to have these really random, like, seizures. Like, it looks terrible. (laughs) Like, this is... He's doing what, like... Uh, an amateur would be like, you know, do me a seizure if you just told, like, probably <laughs> you or I to do a seizure for somebody, and that's exactly what we do, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, he then also he gives a warning to DJ uh, in possibly the worst acting ever. Justin, Justin can you hear me? Please, come on. Who's coming? <laughs> The dark. Master of the bad scream. <laughs> it's just so cheesy. Who's coming? The, 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 the dark. <laughs> Herdy leader. <laughs> That's right. You never go full retard. Uh <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, it's just <laughs> terrible. Like, really. Like, you come out of that, and I don't know. From there, they go. Like, we cut back over to Captain Fishburne and Weir, and they're uh, inspecting because, like, the power is kind of like going in and out, and he thinks there's something wrong with what's going on down there. Uh, and so he goes into the bowels of the electronics of the whole, you know, uh, gravity engine or gateway or where the fuck you want to call it um can we just say that that looks like laminated circuit boards in like a ventilation tube (laughs) it's like what the fuck and they do that stupid effect he does that effect where like the hallway spans out like that cliched effect and i'm just like yeah isn't that like changing the uh is it the focal point or something no yeah i think so out of the aspect ratio no what is it again it's like shutter. It, I remember seeing something where I'm pretty you know, sure makes your face look fat and stuff. I was like, I'm pretty sure somebody out there listening will tell me exactly what it is. Yeah, they you can just you tweet at us. <laughs> tweet you just yell. watch the movies. You don't make them. God's yeah, sake. exactly. I don't know this technical jargon bullshit. Phantom Dark Dave <laughs> will be able to tell us. That's right. If he could just go ahead and tell us uh, in layman's terms. And I mean, like, folding paper terms. That would you be great. Your hands. <laughs> if he tells me another way, I'm going to yell the shit out of him. <laughs> so, uh, from here, we also go outside and we see Lawrence Fishman see a bunch of flame uh, rise out of the coolant. And we see a figure that blows fire at him. Um, and... 
like it, then it kind of does like a hard cut, at least the version that I was watching, and brings everybody back onto the bridge, where they're all again talking about how they didn't have like well, well, weird beliefs that there's not a hallucination type of thing going on, but everybody else kind of thinks that something weird is happening. I can produce hallucinations, impaired judgment. God damn it, DJ, it was not a hallucination. Doctor, you were in the duct. You must have heard something. You must have seen something. I did. About an hour ago, I saw my son lying on the examination table. And... And his legs were... Yes, if you don't mind my saying so. It sounds a little like shock. Could it be that you're traumatized by seeing the body of... No, excuse me! No! bodies before this was different she's right now this this is real i felt i felt heat this is not something that's in our heads smitty have you seen anything unusual at all no i haven't seen anything and i don't need to see anything sir but i can tell you this shit is fucked (laughs) thank you for that scientific analysis mr smith yeah, we well, don't. Fuck yourself! Okay, okay. Okay. All right, Doctor. When you break all the laws of physics, you seriously think there won't be a price? Well, you already killed the last fucking group! Oh, I know you want to kill us as well! Fuck! Oh, DJ! Oh, shit. Do you understand? It's just a big hunk of metal. There's nothing odd going on. DJ? So. <laughs> There's lots to digest there in that scene. There is. One, you can see more of the other side of weird coming through. Right, he's yeah. now he had a vision himself, uh, like we talked about earlier in the film, and he is now denying everybody else's visions. Mm. No, I just had to laugh though when he's like, "No love, you must you're after a fall, are you shook? <laughs> She's after a fall, oh don't mind her." <laughs> it's like such an old Irish thing to say, like, "Oh, she's after a fall, she's a bit shook." <laughs> It's like, I know what I saw. It's like, oh, pat, <laughs> pat on the head like fucking desperate. Oh, no, then, it's it's okay, my dear. Yeah, and then Smitty being like, fuck this shit. <laughs> well, that's just becoming an internal joke. <laughs> yeah, I think DJ actually hasn't. Is he meant to be Irish? He has an Irish accent, kind of. I, heard I don't there. know. See, I can't. He's so little lines, so though, that it's very hard to tell. He, it's. You can't really pinpoint everybody like down. I think the only ones that you can truly do is Cooper and you know Smitty here, mm-hmm. uh, and then that's really it. Besides, you know Sam Neill with his accent can't really get away from it. Doesn't really do a different type of role. Yeah, but it was all recorded and stuff in like Pinewood Studios in England and stuff. So a lot of the cast, because like Sam Neill is from Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And your man is obviously English, Smitty. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, DJ then has a bit of an Irish accent, but I'm not too sure who the actor is. He kind of looks like a poor man's uh, Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what he looks like. I thought it was Jude Law, but it's not. Well, that is Jason Isaacs, actually. Um, and uh, he is English. Uh, and he's known for playing uh, Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter films. Oh, yes. That's where you would recognize him from. He kind of turned into a John Hamm, so, later on in his life. 
Yeah, he was also in Armageddon, which nice. I don't remember. He was in Black Hawk Down. He was also okay. in Resident Evil as an, in an uncredited role. See, all these fucking movies, they're fucking connected in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, maybe uh, Paul Anderson got the old crew together. He He's like, to oh, I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you a role that you can't refuse because <laughs> you need money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and we should mention, too, that uh, Paul Anderson here, he wasn't W.S. yet when he made this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, he just did it as Paul Anderson. Nice. So that's uh, that prestige. That's right. He he needed to make a couple of shitty movies that did well before you could add the WS. Paul, yeah. why is this shit Anderson? <laughs> or like what <laughs> shit I make Anderson? <laughs> so, of course, uh, they go out, and then we have Stark. She runs into Miller after they kind of try to figure out what exactly is going on, and she gives her idea of, you know, what's up with the ship. Miller. What is it, Stark? I ran the bioscan with the DNA RNA filters. The results were bio readings. Of an indeterminate origin, yes, I know. Don't you have anything useful to tell me? I've got a theory. Let's hear it. I think that there's a connection between the readings and the hallucinations, like like they're all part of a defensive reaction, some sort of immune system. I don't have time to listen to this. You have to listen to me. To what? I'm saying that the ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. It's as if the ship brought back something with it, a life force of some kind. What are you telling me, that this ship is alive? You wanted an answer, and it's the only one I've got. No, what I want, Lieutenant, is to survive the next ten hours. So, the ship is alive <laughs> with the sound of music <laughs> <laughs> with the sound of douchebags is more like it <laughs> well we've got so they they now spread each other out because lawrence he's gonna go and he's gonna help fix the ship right I guess that's what he's doing outside. That's what I assume. Because Cooper and, and good old Smitty over here, uh, they're working on it. Uh, Weird is somewhere. I don't know what the fuck he is. And we go see Mama Bear washing over uh, Justin, her baby bear, uh, in the infirmary. And she's not doing a very good job because she's just pacing back and forth and not really watching him. <laughs> and... Then, all of a sudden, he disappears, and sparks, sparks everywhere, which scare the living shit out of her. <laughs> <laughs> Big part of my notes here is, oh no, sparks! She's <laughs> <laughs> scared of shit out of me, too. <laughs> just random sparks just flying up in the air? Of course. Well, if, that, if I was sitting in the kitchen now and a lot of sparks flew off, I'd fucking <laughs> shit my pants. And just like, you just bolt? <laughs> I'd just drive off by myself. You're going to have to do the rest of this review all on your own. There are fucking <laughs> sparks here. But it's not like sparks into flame or like, you know, things firing around her. It's just random sparks. I, yeah. I just don't know. I don't know if that would necessarily freak me out. It might like make me jump, but not like get the reaction out of her that she had. <laughs> Play the clip. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have the clip for this one, but what I do have is what happens with Justin uh, in the next sequence. See, he's escaped, and he... 
this is this is like as a joke this is one of my favorite things in the whole whole movie uh but like i i'm not a big fan of the scene that happens here because justin he puts himself into the airlock and he's so caught up with the darkness that he is uh you know basically gonna kill himself and so everybody's rushing to try to one get the door open because they can't he's somehow managed to get control from the inside and nobody can open it from the outside and you have lawrence fishberg he's flying uh in space like swimming through (laughs) the the different parts of the ships like the catwalk to get there just in time and it's up to peters here to calm down justin to get him to open the door justin open the door did you hear it keep him talking yes yes i heard it do you know what it is it shows you things horrible things what does the dark inside me from the other place i won't go back there i won't no baby bear come on open the door I don't think she can talk him down. It'd be better. He almost, you know, Lockie's going to turn inside out. No. Now you stay with me. I've almost got it. I've almost got it. You stay with me, Justin. Come on, now open that door. If you could see the things I've seen, you wouldn't try to stop me. No, that's not you talking. That's not you talking. That's it. That's it. Right there. Open the door. Go for that button. Come on. Okay. Okay. So that's when he goes over to the panel. And he starts to move his hand to where it says, open uh, outside door, inside door. And then she's like, yeah, you're getting in on it. Good. And he's like, psych, bitch, and slaps the indoor one. The biggest question I have is, why is there a fucking control panel in the airlock? Well, there, it would make sense to just open one of the doors, I guess, after you're done. Like, but, yeah, but It's so fucking big, though. It looks like like a proper cargo hold or something it doesn't look like a personal airlock because there's so much fucking air would get lost yeah you would think that somebody would have it on the other side so the two places connect and then the guy on the outside be like okay i'm gonna start the process and and starts the process of decompression and get everything together uh I just love the fact that, like, he just, it's a total psych move for him to be like, oh, yeah, you're going to do it, you're going to do it, and then just hits the other button. It actually was one of the cooler sequences, though, when, like, Lawrence Fishburne, like a fish, <laughs> like, flies through the air and actually catches your man, and he survives. Yeah. Instead of the usual bollocks of, like, getting decompressed, blowing up, or... Well, it's cool, like, hearing him tell him exactly what he needs to do, right? He's like, mm. I need you not to think about this. I need you to, you know, get ready because the moment that it opens, I want to need you to breathe all the air out of your lungs and you need to close your eyes. Yet, he still opens his eyes when he gets outside. And so I was yeah. kind of expecting his eyes to explode, but of course they don't. Uh, mm. And then, you know, Fishburne just comes in and, like, tackles him back into the airlock. Uh, and is able to save him, like you said. Mm. And it, it is uh, it is a well done scene. I just think the like the acting with the whole that whole thing of the darkness is such a fucking cop out. Like yeah, I know is, that yeah. they want to hide what they're trying to portray later, so you figure it out, or when the characters tell you. But it's just such a generic thing to say. 
Yeah, and it just feels like I don't know, like how how bad can something be that you just be like turned to poke out your eyes or something? Like we've all seen some sketchy shit from time to time, but yeah. uh, you know, I I don't feel like I want to scoop out my eyes or anything like that. You've been on the streets of San Francisco, and there's the one homeless guy blowing the other homeless guy, and you want to tear your eyes out, but you don't do it, right? Yeah. Only a metaphor, really. <laughs> Only, you, you think that, but... Uh... <laughs> well, maybe Smitty might be joining in if he was in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility. Just go to the Tenderloin, and you'll be fine. Um so they do, and, and that is, you bring up a good point too, is that I would have expected Justin to be like dead a long time ago. I mean, he's already gone into whatever the black hole thing is to wherever it was, <laughs> right? And had like seizures and was already with the darkness. And then here he's trying to kill himself and he's still not able to do so. And it was, it was neat to, to see also kind of like the switch from him like, oh, I want to kill myself to, to like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, yeah. I really don't want to do this. I don't want to die. What the hell is, is happening here? Yeah, there was just a load of kind of stuff coming together, which kind of pissed me off of, like, the fact he somehow got in the airlock just in time for him to see him. The fact that they couldn't stop it from the inside, from the outside. Mm-hmm. That kind of was just like, oh, lazy writing. You know, it just seemed like everything kind of too convenient just to have the spectacle of him in an airlock kind of thing. Yeah, it was just, it, it was I, just I couldn't like to spend my disbelief with it. Really, like it was to create the set piece is what it was. You yeah. know, you, you're right in saying that everything that just leads up to that moment. You know, he happens to disappear from the med bay and then crazy, creepy stuff. But then he happens to be seen going in right as the doors are closing. You know, yeah, and it's yeah. all just to set up that little bit. Um, and you know it could be just to pad some of the runtime of the film as well. Yeah, the, I don't know why they pad movies like this. Like it could have been a really competent like hour or something. Yeah, and and really, it it, it has a very short runtime compared to a lot of movies during this time in horror movies. I mean, it's only I think an hour and thirty five minutes with the credits. Yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah, everything was kind of pushing. Two hours, five minutes was like a fucking favorable number for some reason. Yeah, and for this, it it actually, uh, even when I sat down to like rewatch it again and do the normal stuff, uh, I was actually surprised because I felt like it was longer than it actually was. You know? Yeah, I felt the same actually because thinking back, like all the scenes I remember were there, but everything around it was just padding. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was like, right to only remember the scenes that I remember because that's actually all that happened. Like we're just picking out kind of the main scenes here, but there's a lot of nothing happening at the same time. Oh yeah, there's a lot of scenes of just stuff like random, kind of like even some of the scenes that we played are kind of randomly put in there. There's going to be one with Cooper that's going to be coming up uh, that didn't necessarily need to be in there, but it's good for the character, but. Yeah, do you, do you I, really I just, need it? I'm just kind of getting sick of the scenes of like, we don't have fucking time to listen to this bullshit. And it's like, no, no, you're here. You're seeing all these things happening as well. Maybe like let someone hear a fucking explanation or like 
some sort of insight instead of like we don't got time to breathe it's like oh yeah. wait wrong movie wrong alien <laughs> <laughs> well you know there is the question of uh you know like we explained earlier which is weird okay so we talked earlier kind of where i feel and uh you know where we're married that made the change and then he gets that weird, like, he gets the longing look at the gateway, and he denounces the whole hallucination thing of what was going on. And then you have this scene where Miller confronts uh, Weir to be like, well, where has this place been? Like, he knows exactly where it's at. I'd like some answers, Doctor. I'd like to know why one of my men tried to commit suicide by throwing himself out of an airlock. I'd like to know what caused that noise. The thermal changes in the hull could have caused the metal to expand and contract rapidly, causing reverberations. This is possible. Bullshit! You built this fucking ship. You've given me nothing but bullshit. What do you want me to say? You said the ship's drive creates a gateway. Yeah. To what? Where did it go? Where did you send it? I don't know. Where has it been for the last seven years? Look, I don't know. I don't know is not good enough, Doctor. You're supposed to be the fucking expert. I need answers. That's your job. Now, the other place. Where is that? I don't know. I don't know. Look, there's a lot of things happening around here that I don't fully understand. I, 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 I need time. I see. Well, that's exactly what we don't have, Doctor. There you go. There's another scene of them saying, oh, there's no time. We've got nothing to do. Like, we just yeah, need to yeah. get the hell out of here. And they, they need to get it, the scrubbers back over to the other ship. Uh, and so they all basically kind of break off to do different things uh, to make sure that they get, you know, out and out alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of Lawrence Fishburne is like the, I ain't got time for that. Just like, you're meant to be the captain, like, listen to people. And so while they're basically trying to figure everything out and finish the rest of the repairs on the ship, uh, the filters finally work. Yay. (laughs) And they get to see the full video of what happened on the ship. And... Um, now I remember seeing this for the first time and, and there is no audio cause there really isn't anything you play. You have to see the footage from the film. Uh, and when I was a wee young lad watching this, this freaked me the hell out and supposedly it was going to be worse than what they actually showed in the film. And yeah, that's, I heard that actually, yeah. that's the giant blood orgy. I mean, Scotty should have been right there. Do you know what? I think this is the exact moment where I ran back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I I was too young for this shit. Well, it's just like everybody's like, there's one guy that's getting like fucked in the ass in the corner, uh, covered in blood. (laughs) And like, seriously, that was like the one thing that like, I didn't realize like way early on. And then you see this guy, he's bent over the, the console and something's just doing him right up the ass. Uh, and you, you got, but you got other people eating each other. The guy, the captain, has torn out his eyes, and he's saying the whatever the save me Latin dialogue and all the other stuff. 
I mean, it's a, it's an insane scene as it is. And to imagine that being even worse than what it was is crazy. Yeah, I can't believe there isn't actually like a director's cut. Should be a 20th anniversary edition coming out. Paul W.S. Anderson, if you're listening, we yeah. love your movies. <laughs> we love it. You- Please give us the blood energy that we deserve. <laughs> So after seeing all that, uh, that kind of freaks out, um, you know, good old Larry here. Uh, And this is the scene where he probably has the best acting. And I broke the scene actually down into two uh, different things. Um, One is him talking uh, about... So basically, he tells DJ about... The guy that he had the first hallucination about uh and uh i think we get the best acting from Lawrence fishburne in this scene here i'm telling you it was his voice i heard he was calling to me a young bosun named eddie Cork. we served on the goliath together when the o2 tanks ruptured four of us made it to the lifeboat but Cork was still on board the goliath when the fire broke out you ever seen fire in zero gravity? It's beautiful. It's like liquid. It slides all over everything. Comes up in waves. And they just kept hitting him. Wave after wave. He was screaming for me to save him. So he recounts the tale of the guy that he couldn't save because, and he ended up like sacrificing. Uh, and this is kind of when like you start and, and knowing the, where the film goes, if you've seen this before, um, it kind of brings the thought up more of, are these people being targeted? Like the ones that actually have the hallucinations and the ones that, uh, actually are experiencing these things in, on the ship, uh, are they like do they have some type of sins that are being exploited or things that uh you know secrets from their past because it's only a select number of the crew and we're that actually have anything going on yeah i mean like the problem i had rewatching this i suppose we can get to this at the end a little bit deeper but it was like they just didn't press enough on the idea mm-hmm they just didn't really develop it past like, oh, I have a, you know, a crippled child, and oh, I have a dead lover or wife that isn't really specified, and all these kind of things, and it's like, uh, you know, yeah. it's just a little bit lackluster. Like I did really enjoy the concept, and I really thought revisiting it, I was going to be in for a treat. But I think uh, the majority rules here with like thirty-three percent done you know, Metacritic and stuff. It's a bit like, hmm. It's kind of love or hate it, really. Yeah, it, it truly is. And, and we'll definitely get a little more, I think, in the the final review thing uh, at the end of it. But I, I definitely agree with you um, in, in terms of, like, the rewatch and everything with this. It's, it's just, like, good ideas that could have been fleshed out more. Yeah, more blood orgies. More blood orgies. Uh, maybe with the Christmas critters. <laughs> so with a side with a side of corn tree. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, 
Uh, DJ, now that he's heard the ultimately filtered, filtered, filtered version of what happened on the ship, uh, he tells Captain Larry uh, that he has figured out exactly what was said uh, in that playback and that he was wrong before. I've been listening to distress signal. And I am... I think I made a mistake in the translation. Go on. I thought it said liberate me. Save me. But it's not me. It's liberate tutte me. Save yourself. And it gets worse. There. I think that says X in fairies. Save yourself from hell. So it's save yourself from hell. Yeah, I wanted to mention this earlier. Like, this was just the biggest fucking bullshit stretch ever. It was like. Oh, there's actually half a fucking sentence in between <laughs> May. Ibrate May. It's like, Tuta May, Ex Inferno. It's like, what the fuck? Did the filter <laughs> actually go back and splice in between those two words? It what? went back, oh. it got the DVD, and it found the deleted footage, right? And he put it into there. Yeah. It was like, man, did you know that this was like found footage? This is the 30th anniversary release of this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> captain's it log it wasn't filters he actually just got the fucking director's cut version the fucking asshole <laughs> or it was just the ship the ship was like oh <laughs> it's time for you to finally see the actual stuff yeah and if someone actually was trying to tell me with that labored like it means this I will tell you once I'm ready what it says in the video the video it says. <laughs> I was like, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> Tell me what it means. <laughs> I am going to take my time finishing this review. He went to the William Shatner School of Acting for a second there. No, he went into a... Uh, is it Dewey or... No, is, is it Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle? The guy in oh, the wheelchair? No, no, that's uh, that's his friend and I always forget who it is. I know who you're talking about the. The, yeah. the little African American kid. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, <laughs> I've got to tell you. Yeah, I was like, fucking hell, man. Save yourself from hell. <laughs> There's a little bit of Gary Busey in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, this now officially, in that the the ship has been fixed, it's ready to go, it is time that Larry wants to get everybody the fuck off the event horizon and back onto the ship. And, of course, we're he doesn't want to leave, and Larry tells him straight up. No, we can't leave. Our orders are specific. Rescue the crew... Salvage what's left of the ship. The crew is dead, Doctor. Your ship killed them. We came here to do a job. We're aboarding, Doctor! Stark, download the files from the Event Horizons computers. 
DJ, I want you to get Justin prepped and ready to move him back to the Clark. Stuff I want to get from medical. Gotta move him in the tank. No problem, do it. Peters, I want you to get the CO2 scrubbers back into the Clark. Take Smitty with you. You can't just leave her. I have no intention of leaving her, Doctor. I will take the Lewis and Clark to a safe distance, and then I will launch attack missiles at the event horizon until I'm satisfied she's vaporized. Fuck this ship. <laughs> Be- besides the next one that's going to come up uh, soon, that's probably my second favorite line in this movie. <laughs> Fuck your ship. <laughs> it's very good now, in fairness. Oh, and for him to just, you know... He's now being assertive, like, you know what? Too much random crap has happened on here. All these things are going down. Uh, it's definitely something here. We're getting the fuck off. I'm going to blow this motherfucker like, into pieces. Just hit it with yeah. wave after wave of tactical missiles. Yeah, yeah. That was a great burn, he said to the ship. It was a fish burn. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where's the boo button? <laughs> boo. <laughs> I had, to, I had to go there. Oh, I also I think I need to eat a boo or a savage button because <laughs> that was pretty savage there. I like a tube. I like burr, 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 burr. <laughs> so he's basically sent everybody else now because they need to get off the goddamn ship. He sends uh, Peters to go get the scrubbers so that they can put them back on their ship. Even though what is it right now? They have like four hours of air left or some shit like that. Like, how yeah. is that going to survive them, like, all the way back? Do they need to just, like, turn it off while they're in the goo? And then... I think it, I think those are, like, CO2 scrubbers or whatever, so it, like, recycles the air or something, so... So maybe because it's so big, it doesn't last as long? Yeah, or else they're just going to, like, suck air out of uh, the event horizon. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if they put them back on the other ship with only four hours left, how is that going to get them from where they are back to Earth? Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose aren't they going into the uh, the gravity couch or whatever? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Does the gravity couch, like, do they turn off the scrubbers when the couches are active? I, I just never got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I suppose once, understand once it. hell is pouring out of a ship, the last thing you want to think about is the air at this stage (laughs) i guess so so uh this also comes to with probably the dumbest death in the entire movie you see peters she's back there she's getting the scrubbers with smithy here uh and then of course she starts hearing noises and then who's back there why (laughs) it's her son running around what (laughs) this is dumb this is beautiful dumbest thing because she just like everybody has said okay you're having hallucinations like let's just get through it and even freaking you know miller he's able to in his head like no this isn't right this is just a hallucination and he goes through with it but no she decides oh it's actually my son i'm gonna follow him yeah well i wonder i can't i emphasize now i cannot speak from experience but if you're meant to take like hallucinogenic drugs, isn't it meant to be that you still believe the hallucination, but you know it isn't real, but you could get carried away. Like you hear these guys that are on acid or something like, you know, go crazy. 
I only know about the guys you. with like the bath salts and like eating people. Yeah, I like. I wonder, is it like you're getting the hallucination? But no, it's a, a little bit too much thought into this. But she shouldn't have been. She could have thought it was her son at this stage. Yeah, could have been so real. It it could have been, but I just. Like, part of me still knows that, like, in the back, like, you know, if the ship's trying to do something, a couple people have been... Well, nobody's truly died. Justin's come close. But it seems like this is the stretch where we're just going to start killing people. You know? Yeah, it actually really came, like, really thick and heavy. Everyone was just getting massacred towards the end. And and she's the first one because she chases the boy up the ladder. And then she sees him and she runs to him and doesn't look at the fucking hole. Yeah, yeah, silly. and that's such a ragdoll like <laughs> dummy that hits everything on the way down. Yeah, silly, silly, silly. But when she does like like hit into the pool, you know, of coolant down below, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but it's cool. So, like, like the ultimate, the end of the death is fine, but like the ping ponging between the hole is just—it's <laughs> just a little too much for me. But it might yeah. be great for Smithy. He wants to ping pong yeah. that hole. <laughs> and again, we get well, we get Weir running into the gateway room, right? And when he runs in, uh, he sees that Peters has died, and he's like totally like, "Oh my god, you're Peters, you're dead!" And I'm like, a second ago, you had like no emotion of or anything, and you didn't want to leave the ship, but now you're like all sad that she's dead. Mm. Like, it, doesn't she gonna get back up though? At some stage, doesn't she? No, she doesn't. Because he starts having the hallucinations of when his wife killed himself. Or killed herself, I should say. And that's... Honestly, that's like a fucked up sequence to like watch a guy being forced to watch that all over again. Mm. And so, uh, let's play the... (laughs) Let's play the soundbite, including the quote from Hellraiser. I know I wasn't there when you needed me. I'm sorry, I... I let my work come between it. God, Glenn, no. Peggy, please, please, don't. Not again, please. Being so... It's all right. I'm so alone. You'll never be alone again. You're with me now. You're with me. And I have such wonderful, wonderful things to show you. Straight up ripped from Hellraiser. <laughs> I have such sights to show you. I was just waiting for another Cenobite to show up. Yeah. But then Maybe she, this, like, like, this could be a Cenobite ship. It could be. That's That was actually one of my notes. I was like, did they go to like where the Cenobites are? Because didn't I say that the fucking gyroscope ball looks very like, you know, S and M kind of stuff. <laughs> Could stick your ass up in the air around that blade room and uh, have a good time. 
Well, that was the other thing when what's her name fell down. Like she managed to miss all of like the the spikes and uh, land yeah, in the corn. Would have broken the fucking set. It's probably <laughs> all made out of fucking corn. <laughs> God damn it! But uh, those aren't honestly, spikes. Those are actually uh, corn those are actually cobs. corn corn cobs. Yeah. yeah. This is going to turn to a sleepwalkers type of thing when yeah, the guys can get one of them back of the head. Yeah, there were actually corn tree seedlings in there. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so basically, she shoves his, her fingers and her thumbs into his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Give the old reach around. <laughs> Well, it turns out that he was giving himself the old reach around, right? Because he's the one actually tearing out his eyes in that scene. Yeah, using his own hands, eh? Yes, doing it himself because nobody else is there to help him. Um, And then we go over to the ship. I should mention that she actually has kind of nice boobs for being somebody that has no eyes and, you know, committed suicide. (laughs) Uh, And she's like the only pair that you're going to get in the whole film. And I remember being, you know... 17 at that time and you're like all right at least this movie's got boobs <laughs> scaring the shit out of me but man <laughs> nice boobs yeah he actually likes the old boobs late in the old movies because in uh resident evil we got a pretty much like a gravity couch uh miller jovovich boobs as well yeah we also got a lot of uh, like wet uh t-shirt type boobs uh in that movie too i think yeah Maybe WS stands for wet shirt. <laughs> wet shirt, Anderson. <laughs> it's a possibility. Uh, so we go over to the ship, and uh, everything's basically ready to go, and everybody's all, you know, there's a couple of things they need to fix. But Smithy here, he sees Weir uh, as he's leaving the ship. And then all of a sudden, that kind of sparks the whole, oh, crap, something's been done because when he goes back and he tells uh larry over here that hey uh we was on the ship uh without a suit for one he happened to get on and off without a suit uh and then fishburn finds that there's one of the bombs missing so smitty's got to find everything and i think that face that he makes when he finally sees the bomb and it has like no time is like well, it's just absolutely perfect. Like that face <laughs> of defeat is so good. Yeah, he's actually a really good actor. I'm surprised like he never kind of broke out into proper big stuff. I like suppose he's roles. on. Uh, I suppose he's on Gotham now, but that took way too long for him. Yeah, it it definitely. I I would have liked to seen him in other things because I don't didn't really recognize him like right away either. Hmm. Well, that's the thing. I was just somehow like trapped in his back catalog that week. I was watching this, and then Doomsday and uh, yeah, I was we were also cat- catching up on Gotham at the same time. Uh, I nearly was. I've been watching that recently, so that's why he like stuck out. I was like, "Hey, that's Alfred." Obviously, well, a much younger Alfred. But I, th- I think the other revelation too of the guy DJ being in the Harry Potter films is pretty crazy i wouldn't cop that now at all no neither would i unless we looked it up so uh yeah so the ship blows up the lewis and clark uh completely gets destroyed uh and cooper gets sent out uh on a piece of it 
everybody jumps back. There's a lot of slow-mo fire jumping away from. Um, and now everybody else that's on the ship, on the event horizon, is stuck on the event horizon. Uh, we do get a moment to go back out uh, <laughs> to Cooper in, in the middle of space where he does give uh, my favorite line of the movie. Shit! Where the fuck am I going? Why is this shit going to happen to me? Fuck. All right, think, think, think. All right, all right. All right, I got to get back to the ship. I got to get back to the ship, all right? All right, I got to blow my air tank. I'll blow my air tank. better work. This shit better work. Alright, alright, here I go. Alright, one, two, three. Come on, come on, come on, yes! 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 Here I come, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> so Cooper's making it back to the ship. Uh, we go back to Medbay, uh, where we see DJ, he meets his ultimate demise. Uh, at the hands of Weir, uh, and that the 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 effect and the makeup for that looks really great because he gets like basically sliced open and strung from the ceiling uh, with yeah that was really which cool, I actually. think is it his skeleton on the table or is it just his insides? Uh, I can't remember. Was it like his spine was ripped out or something? It, like it, it, there was basically he was hanging up, and then below there was stuff on the table. But it looked like it might have been like his skeleton or might have just been his guts or something like that that was just laid out over the table. But I thought yeah. the makeup and the effects were really good on that. Yeah, there was just so much to kind of take in gore-wise that it was just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and, was- and this again, this is when like the deaths just start happening. You know, mm. now now we've lost lost uh, Smitty. Uh, he didn't get to get his handy before he was blown up on the ship. Uh, <laughs> Cooper somehow is still alive because he's even though I don't know how long he's going to last without air. Now that he's blown his air thing, uh, you know, getting back to the ship. Uh, and of course, we go back. Uh, you know, DJ's dead. Peters is dead, and we go back into uh, the. I guess the main deck in the captain's room. Uh, And we see that, uh, what's her name? Stark. She's uh, like knocked out on the floor and she gets one of those meth pill packs as well. Uh, Mm. He's got, for some reason, Larry's got him on there. He snaps it open and she wakes up instantaneously. (laughs) And like, I need that pill. Was he not the one that fell down the hole though? Stark. No, no, that was Peter's. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Stark is the only one that really hasn't had anything happen to her and Cooper are the only ones that really haven't had visions or anything weird happen with them. Though Cooper keeps getting put in sticky situations. Yeah. Yeah. And even then when you see her like you see her, she's laying on the floor, she obviously something happened to her, but it happened to her off screen, which kind of sucks. It makes me do want to see like a director's cut where we've actually found what he did to her. Yeah, I think is there like a missing like nearly half an hour of stuff. Yeah, as far as I was looking at today, there's like a massive chunk missing. It would be nice to actually be able to see some of that stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, just maybe to flesh out a couple characters to see what else is going on. Uh, we also get the the big reveal with the bad guy turns around the chair uh, to reveal himself. 
and we see that Weir is there uh, in the captain's chair, and he's taken out his eyes. And of course, uh, we still a little bit about uh, Back to the Future here, because where we're going, we don't need eyes. We won't need eyes to see. What are you talking about? I created the event horizon to reach the stars. But she's gone much, much farther than that. She tore a hole in our universe, a gateway to another dimension. A dimension of pure chaos. Pure evil. When she crossed over, she was just a ship. When she came back, she was alive. Look at her, Miller. Isn't she beautiful? Your beautiful ship killed its crew, Doctor. Well, now she has another crew. Now she has us. So, I, I I still don't know what to make of this like this thing here now because there's just like a bu- giant fight that happens with Stark trying to outsmart him, come from the side, but he's much smarter than her and is able to grab her. And and Larry, he's got his like you know supposedly he had a nail launcher and somehow Weir gets it. Hmm. Well, I think what kind of pissed me off the most as well with like Weir kind of turning to the dark side as it were, as it Weir is... Oh, uh, There's another fish burn. <laughs> is um, like, how come everyone else went mad, but he's like kind of taken in his stride, turning into like fucking Darth Vader? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, everybody was like disturbed like, or sank into whatever their hallucination or fears were. Yeah. Like, granted, he... <laughs> Doctor granted. Granted, oh. he... Uh, <laughs> you are just full of them today. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, just, like, obviously he poked his eyes out and he's, like, succumbed to the darkness or whatever. But he's still, like, quite lucid in just in terms of being mad, if that makes sense. Like, he seems to have his wits about him even though he's gone mad. Yeah. Exactly. He's still, like, he's succumbed to whatever the darkness is. Like, again... He's articulate, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, it's like your question that you asked in the beginning. Did he really know that this is where it went? Because if he went by this, I would almost say yes. Like, he knew. But then there were times where he was acting like he really didn't know what was going on. Like, it would be one thing if... uh, I think the revelation might have been that his wife was a part of the crew and that's why he was so hell-bent on getting back onto it. But the fact of the matter that she killed herself because he spent so much time working on this only to, you know, she went to hell because she committed suicide, uh, if you believe in that. Um, that oh, he's... I see. So, oh, yes. I think maybe, do you think he knew it was a gateway to hell on the off chance he could see his wife again. That's what I'm kind of proposing there. Uh, is is that the reason why he's become the way he is and that he was the one? Because they really could have 
the, he hadn't be couldn't be the only person that worked on this thing, right? He's probably yeah. the person that came up with the idea. He's the one that helped design it. But is he really the one that was like anybody could have gone? Somebody from the government could have gone to go basically collect this because that's basically what they're doing, right? They want to know what happened, and they probably want their technology back. Yeah, well, yeah, it kind of didn't make sense why they why they sent him to the ship because it's kind of like what the information they got was nothing. So he kind of really brought nothing to the table of being there. They could have just got some other skivvy instead of like the ultimate mind who could actually make a second event horizon. I don't yeah. like. He didn't really need to be there. They didn't get much information. It looked like a kind of a rescue scout mission. Like he didn't salvage any equipment or anything so it kind of didn't make sense why he was along for the ride i know he made it but i guess not as if an architect goes into a skyscraper every time an accident happens or whatever exactly there's some other bigger reason that we're missing of why he's going on and it could be just because maybe he was able to see his wife you know yeah well he knew a little more about it yeah i just had a little look there. there there was actually it used to be two hours and ten minutes and they wanted to do a director's cut but most of the stuff is like missing or damaged all the extra stuff so that's why they couldn't put it in oh there well, was that like sucks. Ex- yeah there was extended scenes put in on a dvd release i think and uh yeah basically there was like extra dialogue between weir and the people that own the event horizon and stuff you see, that would make a lot more sense to to add it into a film like this, especially with yeah. the runtime that it ultimately has. Yeah, he reckons there should have been 10 extra minutes put in. But he was like, ultimately, two hours, 10 minutes was like too much. Well, so we get the big fight between Weir and Larry, uh, as well as Stark, but then Cooper shows up to distract everything. He, like, just runs into the front. He doesn't have good reverse boosters, okay? So he actually runs into the front of the ship. Uh, And uh, we have... He, like, shoots the... the, Whatever the, like, nail gun into the window uh, to go and try to kill Cooper. But, of course, it doesn't. But it ultimately destroys the glass. And everything starts to get sucked out. And this is one of those scenes that I hate as well. Because the whole thing with the, the with Justin and everything like decompressing, like how quickly the moment that the airlock opened up and all of a sudden he was bleeding out of his eyeballs and, and, <laughs> and his skin was, which again was a kind of a cool effect, but you can see the veins popping out. Uh, it's like, well, because there's so much air in this area uh, that it's going to take forever for anybody to be affected by being pulled out into space. Mm. Like it doesn't, like why? Why wouldn't they just? Especially when he gets the seat stuck to the windshield. Even the the damn alien from Alien Resurrection was sucked out of there relatively quick. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Weir is able to survive perfectly fine for quite a while. Yeah, but he has health strength going on. You know, <laughs> he has health strength oh. <laughs> by Satan's power combined. Yeah, yeah. He's Willy Weir. We just don't even know what kind of strength. Like, I don't know. It seems like he's kind of like powered up. He like sacrifices eyes to get like hell strength. I don't know. <laughs> Is that all it takes to get hell strength? You just have to get rid of your eyes. 
Huh. Yeah, just might just have to think about that. Had, had a bath with some bath salts. <laughs> Should be ba- right. Bath, bath salts. Wife's killed herself. Um, create a gravity engine. I think it'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he ends up getting sucked out. Uh, Larry, he's able to escape, but before he does. Uh, Stark is there and he totally forgot to try to save her first so now especially when the door is about to close and close them off uh, and you know he's got the whole thing about not leaving anybody else behind he tries to save her uh, she whimpers and is like I can't do it and he's like yes you can and then she finds the strength to reach up uh, <laughs> and get pulled out and it's so dumb yeah I hate that like last minute fucking strength she got the heaven strength or something. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I can't do it. I can't. Yes, you can. Oh, you're right. I On can't do it. On top of like, all the air getting sucked out. Exactly. And, oh, just silly. <laughs> it's just silly. silly. So they go back. Uh, they hear an alarm happening down the hall where the airlock is. And they first assume that it's where, but it turns out to be Cooper. Uh, and so now they're all reunited. And they've decided to come up with a plan uh, to get the fuck out of there and get uh, at least away from wherever this gravity engine is. The bridge is gone. What about engineering? You think you can shut it down from there? I don't know the process. Dr. Weir was the expert. Look, I don't want to go without the crew. Okay, I'd rather be dead. Okay. Okay, we blow the fucker up. We blow it up? Do like Weir said. Blow the corridor. Separate us from the rest of the ship. Use the Fordex as a lifeboat. With any luck, TDRS will pick up our emergency beacon. We prep the gravity couches, put ourselves in stasis, and stand by for a search and rescue team. Meantime, I'm going to go manually arm these explosives. Skipper, would this shit work? It worked for Dr. Rear. You go activate the emergency beacon, you get back here double quick. Yes, sir. I'll come with you. You stay here, you prep the gravity couches. Miller? Close this door behind me, Lieutenant. So, they're going to run away, and they're going to do what they talked about in the beginning of the goddamn movie. Yeah. No, like, just in that scene, it seems like Weir seemed to be the only one that knew anything about the ship, unless he built it with his own bare hands. It's like, oh, I don't know how that works. Weir knew all about that. But, like, did anyone give them any, like, fucking manual or, like, debriefing or something? (laughs) Well, how did they use all the filters that were available on the ship? Yeah, uh, I don't just, know how to do anything with the ship, yet we're able to filter out the video, we're able to turn on the gravity, we're able to do this. Use your scrubbers, turn on the gravity, go in the ducts, like, uh Well, it could be that she's the only one that doesn't know how to do it, and maybe DJ that died, he knew, or Smithy could have figured it out. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Cooper here, as cool of a character he's been, is completely fucking worthless. I mean... Yeah, big time, but he's only like comic relief I weld things comic <laughs> relief and welding yeah <laughs> insane motherfucker yeah <laughs> so uh of course larry he goes down the hallway he activates everything and then we get the cascade of blood where everything's kind of like blowing up and catching on fire like ladders and shit are catching on fire but the blood manages to put like all the fire out and I had no idea the blood could put fire out like that well. Mm. Have you not tried uh, putting out a fire with blood in the past, no? No, no. Never came to my mind to like, you know, I really need to put this campfire out. Let me go ahead and kill my sister. 
uh, to see Jeez. if I can put it out. You need to go some more to some more blood orgies is what you need to do. Yeah, you know, I don't really get invited to those now that I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> when you're single, it's blood orgies all the goddamn time. <laughs> oh, the good old days. I yearn for them. <laughs> yearn for blood orgies and just orgies in general. <laughs> so... Uh, Larry, he's confronted by the ghost of uh, his past with the guy that he saved. And the guy shoots like a line of flame just at him. It's like not even... I have to think that part of it was like shot in reverse. Like, wouldn't you think? Uh, It just kind of seemed like, what's the easiest way to fucking do this? Only a straight line. (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's kind of neat how it like kind of unfolds. But it feels like it was like added in there where it was at that length and then came back to him and then just played it in reverse instead but good old Larry he's able to get out of the way and he jumps through to where the gate is uh, before the flame can get him and that's where he gets confronted by uh, his past who happens to actually not be the same guy you left me behind no, you're not Edward Corrick. I watched him die. Where? <laughs> the ship brought me back. I told you she won't let me leave. She won't let anyone leave. Did you really think you could destroy this ship? She's defied space and time. She's been to a place you couldn't possibly imagine. And now... To go back. I know. To hell. You know nothing. Hell is only a word. The reality is much, much worse. So there's a couple things that are weird in this scene. One is the goddamn close-up. Like, did Sam Neill not want to wear the makeup, so they just had some other guy do it? Or they only (laughs) did the makeup around his eyes, and so they ADR'd his voice over it? Because... It's like right up in his face, and then every once in a while it moves down to his mouth talking. <laughs> it makes no sense. I actually didn't even notice that. <laughs> like, it does it twice. Each time he's talking, it's just right up in his face. It's like an extreme close-up. This belongs in Wayne's world, and you, not in this movie. But like, I had a feeling that he just did not want to wear the makeup for extended scenes. Because it still doesn't quite like sync up that well to it um then the other thing is that the pretty fucked up images of the crew being tortured this time and like i went back through it a couple times just to kind of see and it's so quick it's hard to make out what exactly is going on in each uh little scene yeah i didn't take i didn't uh go through the fine tooth comb like you because I was watching it with uh, someone so I couldn't uh, be able with my notebook. <laughs> oh, to, to take your little... To, to do my like three-hour version of watching the goddamn film. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure our discussion is longer than the runtime now. Probably we're, you know, getting close there. Uh, we're definitely hitting that extra 30-minute mark. Uh, and we're, we are we're, the extended footage. Yes, we're in a time loop. Th- this is the the stuff that you should listen to uh, after you watch the film, uh, and uh, or listen to it while we're talking about the film at the same time. But we'll run a little bit longer. Uh, so the other thing I took away is that Doctor Grant 
now he can fucking fight. Like, he is beating the shit out of Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> like, you're right. Those hell powers, like, came in. It buffed him up. Like, he came in at, like, weighing at, like, 125, barely any muscle, dad bod. Yeah, yeah. Now he's, like, 250, <laughs> like, all muscle, like, beating the crap out of him. But, yeah, of course, yeah. like, the cheesiest boss fights in all of history, he's taken down at the last moment because he doesn't realize that the trigger is really close by. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, he knocks him, and he knocks Larry over by where the trigger is. <laughs> Standard, like, that's very stereotyped. It's so bad. And it's like, so, I'm going to kick you across the room into the detonator that will kill Exactly. Me. And why wouldn't he, at this point, look, this room is made for it. There are spikes everywhere. Like, stab him through, pick him up, stab him through one of the spikes, be done with it. Mm. Instead, you've got disposition and you want to show your strength by kicking him across the room. But, like, even when you kick him, maybe you aim for a spike. Yeah, just a standard uh, endgame boss fight. Yeah. He, here's the the button. So he hits the button. It blows up the, the walkway separating the uh, gravity drive thing here from the rest of the ship. And uh, then... They're able to put everybody... Uh, well, everybody that's left goes into the grav couches. Uh, Justin was already put into one, uh, who is surprising that he survives, uh, but he was been in one. And then Cooper and uh, Stark, they go into the other two and fade off into the future. And then that's yeah. <laughs> where uh, we get the kind of surprise ending... Well, before we go there, Weir is just left with the meat grinder so he can beat his meat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he and Larry, he can experience those uh, lovely experiences of that one guy uh, when he gets hell. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Now, he can just go straight to hell, though, can't he? Because he's just left with that half. Yeah. It's like, okay, Good. I'm here. Let's just go to hell. I'm taking you with me, Larry, and you're going to be my uh, butt buddy. Yeah. Like <laughs> for it's the rest of time. Song or whatever. That's right. <laughs> so now let's get to the the dumbass end. This ending is so stupid. Uh, it's you know it rips off a couple of different other movies, but there's like a twist, but not a twist. And then I think we get that prodigy soundtrack uh, to end the movie. I'm entering the grab couch bay. It doesn't appear to have been damaged in the explosion. There appear to be three survivors. Cooper, Justin, Lieutenant Stark. Uh, Justin seems to have suffered massive injuries, but he's still alive. The grav couches still have power. I'm opening the first tank now. It's all right. It's okay. You're safe now. Justin Cooper. They're fine. They're fine. They're with us. They're with us. Stop. Stay calm. It's all Stop. right. Calm down. It's all right. Breathe deeply. Stop. Breathe deeply. It's the rescue. I need a sedative here now. I got you, Stark. I got you. It's okay. I need a sedative here now. It's the rescue team. We're safe. Okay, okay, I need it now. We're safe.
Okay, and that's the end of oh the film. Oh my god, that's the fucking kid. Ding, 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 ding. That's what they were missing. Oh, that's what they were missing at the end of that? You know, yeah, that's, it's actually... That's the song. It's not the song. Uh, Prodigy. It's actually Orbital that did that oh, music. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, sounds so similar to Funky Shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that song is some funky shit because it's so out of fucking place. <laughs> it is. I expected it to be like it fades to black, you know. <laughs> they did the whole thing with, oh my god, is we're really here? Oh no, he's not. And I'll then get it some would more be, John Williams, like yeah, like <laughs> or just orchestra, something, you know, something yeah. like you know. Well, are we actually led to believe that hell has like seeped back with them, or is she just like stuck with PTSD? Well, here's the thing: she shouldn't be fucking stuck with PTSD because she never experienced any part of the hell shit, like period. So. <laughs> Well, she can be afraid of him. Like she didn't even she didn't watch like him in that getup, like fight Lawrence Fishburne or anything like that. The only thing that she did experience was the blood stuff, right? The blood that poured everywhere and everything like that. But she never had any direct like. Well, I guess you could say the weird thing with him turning around on the the chair, uh, but none of the other like hell stuff, right? Mm, yeah, she didn't it's, really see it much. It's just kind of like it's meant to throw you for a loop, right? It's meant to be. Oh, did this really happen? Oh no, it's not. It's a fake out. It's like at the end of Friday the Thirteenth, uh, when Jason jumps out of the water, right? And then all of a sudden we're in the hospital and everything's fine. Yeah. Like if yeah. you had, if they had left it like that and then maybe cut it, that might have been a kind of a cool ending right there. Then, you, then your theory of hell seeping into whatever parts of the ship. Uh, still exist but instead no it's all just a freak out and she's okay and then cooper grabbing like a ton of her tits like he's <laughs> holding her back but he's got like, like full boob in one of his hands <laughs> and i'm just like like okay you know that was a mistake and then it's like crappy adr over the ending there like he's not it doesn't even look like he's talking it's just we get oh it's okay they're okay. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I actually wondered, like, re-watching was, like, was the ship alive? Or was it just stuff emanating from the portal giving them hallucinations? Like, was it a haunted house in space? Or, like, what the fuck was it? I think you're kind of on the right path with that. I think that... Because that's what they were saying in, in a couple of the scenes were, like... You know, there's life forms on the ship, but I can't detect anything specific. Like, the ship had become, like, sentient to an extent. Or, you know, that's what they were trying to make you believe. But then again, once they severed, like, the head, I guess, of the ship, like, wouldn't that still have, if it was supernatural, like, some sentience to it still? Even if they blew up the other half? Like, they didn't exactly show anything else, but everything they were seeing was, like, a hallucination. Yeah, most of it. Like I know there was obviously meant to be like the pulses and stuff where like the sparks are flying, but that you could have just explained that away that like the gravity drive, like there was coolant flying everywhere, so it mightn't have been working properly. So I don't know. Was it just like hallucinations, or was the ship actually doing stuff? It was a bit hard to tell. I suppose that's like part of 
the story, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think you can go either way, to be honest with you. You could either go with it was the portal that was because that was the only thing that was still active even when the rest of the ship had been kind of turned off yeah, uh, yeah. and so you could say that the ship itself or the the gravity well or what the hell are things the gateway um it was what was generating everything right because basically like the essence of hell if you even want to call it hell or whatever it yeah. is were seeping out, and that was causing a lot of the hallucinations between everybody. It would have been mm. kind of interesting if there had been a third person, or not third person, but a separate person from the group uh, that wasn't weird, that somehow had survived and knew of what had happened on the ship, uh, to give you a little more backstory on, and maybe make that a little clearer at the same time. Yeah, maybe. The, it's yeah. It's not a terrible movie like there's still things that i like about it and we nitpick a lot about it but uh i think the the question coming is does it hold up and the other question of should you see it uh is does it hold up and not entirely for me uh not for me i mean you have a couple years on me but for me watching it when i was young as i was just saying like the, the parts i remember were just the key parts. Everything else was kind of fluff. And then going back and filling in the gaps of the fluff actually kind of ruined it. Because I sort of held that movie in a bit of esteem, high esteem for like, what I would have nearly had it in like my top 15, top 20 hours. But then actually re-watching it just kind of like shatter that. I I nearly just forget it now again. I'm like stuck in the memories of fucking six or seven year old me. <laughs> so it's I don't know like it just it had a cool concept but it just didn't go far enough with it and it kind of took too long to get into where it was kind of going like there was a lot of setting up with the crew and all that but like no one gives a shit if Mm -hmm. someone has like a a crippled child or whatever because like i could understand if it was maybe a tv show and you were building characters but just for a 90 minute movie you just have to assume like all right, these people do have families or whatever. Like, they could have done more than just forced backstory in for you to care. They could have done more, like, interpersonal relationships. But instead it was like, fuck we're... And then everything else was like, fuck you, DJ, with your Latin. <laughs> and then Lawrence Fishburne was just like, fuck everyone, I don't got time for that. And it was like, I just didn't care if the characters died. I wasn't emotionally invested in a single one. It did a very bad job of getting you connected to the characters. Because, like, Sam Neill's character just seemed like a really just detached fucking prick you know really he didn't go a lot like you get the background thing with the wife and you get the revelation of the fact that she killed herself later much later like almost at the end of the goddamn movie where that would have been something if we had known exactly what happened with her in the beginning and then we saw that later in the film there would be a little bit of shock value to it yeah but like to see else, it, yeah like he yeah. could have just explained to get a connection with the crew just to be like look the reason i have to go back to this it means something to me my wife died while i was like working on the ship blah 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 like it's the last thing i remember of her I something yeah like that or yeah. else it could have even been better of like we were a scientific fucking power couple. She actually went off on that research expedition because she's a scientist like me. I helped build the ship. I stayed back at home. 
she actually went on the crew and that's how she died and that's how it would have explained her getting the eyes gouged out mm-hmm. it didn't really make any sense like obviously at the start she died and it was kind of spooky but then once you see everyone else's eyes getting gouged out on the ship it made no sense that his visions before they were even on the ship had her eyes gouged out and stuff it was like just visualization of what was on the ship in his dreams before they even got there and that brings up that question again of did he actually know what was going on because having how was he going to have a vision like that when the reason that everybody's eyes are all torn out is because they've seen hell and they don't want to see it anymore basically Yeah. Uh, how does he know you know Exactly. That's why I'm saying it probably would have been better if she was involved in the original crew. Yeah. And he, you know, if it was revealed, he's like, I'm trying to actually find my fucking wife. That's the real reason. And everyone was like, oh shit, drop the mic. That yeah. would have been better. Then that would have been the fish burner of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that what, like you said before, what attracted to me and what still attracts me to the film is just the concept behind everything. I think the at the time I hadn't seen anything that had a concept, you know, of, you know, you say hell invading. I mean, you've got Hellraiser which I think this owes some to uh some of its ideas at least in terms of the way they they kind of picture hell uh in it being pain and torture. Um probably the Doom video game actually. Yeah, some of that as well, but I just, I remember at the time there hadn't been anything really like this that did a a decent job of the sci-fi and horror genre that wasn't just like a monster. It was yeah. more like a psychological type of thing that was going on. And, you know, now looking back on it, you know, it, it just doesn't, some things don't hold up, you know. I'm not going to fault CGI or anything like that because that's just a sign of the times. Uh, because the practical effects are still good. Uh, the set design, I think, is wonderful. Um, it's very good, yeah. You know, and the acting is what it is. You know, it, it's just kind of cheesy, crappy, sci-fi horror acting. Even from actors nowadays that I would be like, yeah, I'm totally down with what this guy does nowadays. You know, mm. you, of course, you know Larry over here, Larry Fishburne. Um you know, and Sam Neill, even, you know, some of the other stuff that he's done past these films. So it's, it's just interesting. Would I suggest it to anybody? I think I would. I think it's a film that people need to see at least once. Yeah, no, I would agree. Cause, uh, there's a lot of obviously pop culture references. It was in mm-hmm. that, uh, Conquer's Bad Friday I was mentioning. <laughs> obviously Dead Space yep. borrowed heavily cause they have like an evil monolith, which is, basically gives hallucinations like that and stuff doesn't it yeah it, it basically kind of warps people's minds uh into seeing yeah. and, and he was seeing or isaac clark uh, in dead space images of his wife uh who was a part of the mission see they fixed that problem yeah they did actually yeah and so, uh yeah that came out probably 10 years later that was 2007 i think yeah and that's definitely something if you've never played that game series uh, at least the first two. Third one's okay. Yeah, I didn't actually finish the first one yet. I was supposed to stream it, but oh, that's a story for a different day. You need to finish it. Um, yeah. So, uh, then, is there any last thoughts before we put ratings out for this film? 
Uh, I'd say if you like horror, you like sci-fi. Uh, why not try a sci-fi horror? It's one. It's kind of a a tough cross section to get right, and I think out of all the horror sci-fi's, it uh, has done more right than it did wrong. I think. So, uh, yeah, I'd be on the user reviews on IMDb here with a, you know, they're on the six point eight scale, and the the critics give it a thirty three. I'd be probably up on the user score uh, end, I'd say. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, a lot of what we talked about, you know, we're nitpicking things. We're not necessarily, like, as a whole, it's still enjoyable. Even, like, sitting down and watching it, it's not like like redneck zombies where that wasn't necessarily an enjoyable film to even sit down and watch. Like, if I just sat and wasn't writing notes and wasn't trying to do the normal things, I, I'd still enjoy the film. You know, I I put myself in that like seven category if you're gonna judge me on IMDb. But uh, out of five, what would you rate the gore rating in this film? Ooh, I think the gore that we got was quite good. I give the gore a five out of five. I I give it a four out of five. I think that if we had some of the extended blood orgy scenes and the other torture scenes, I think we'd get that five out of five. Uh, yeah crap factor of the film that's uh, anything from bad acting to you know just how horrible it is out of five I would give a three out of five for crap I'm exactly there with you I think there's some good performances within the film for acting I think the sets look great and some of the uh, practical effects as we explained uh, look great too fun factor for the film Ooh, was I entertained? Was it fun? Uh, I'd probably give it a three as well. Like it had its had its moments. Yeah, I would do the same. I was originally kind of doing it a little higher, uh, but I think three out of five kind of hits it right because you get like the the deaths aren't bad, uh, and, and there's some really funny lines. And Cooper's a great character, and even the way that Smitty acts. Uh, you know, it's entertaining. I'm, I'm never, I was never bored while watching the film, uh, yeah, even if yeah. stuff got bad. Uh, so that's why it's kind of right there in the middle. So overall, what would you give the film? Uh, I enjoyed it. There's a lot of nostalgic value, but upon a 20 year reunion with this movie, um, I would probably give it like. For talking whole numbers, I'd give it a three, but if I had to push it, maybe three and a half. All right. Yep. I'm right there. I'm giving it three ripped out eyeballs out of five. Yeah. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Um, well, before we do the last part of the show, which is plugs and a, a little bit of talk, let's talk about uh, the actually the next month of films. Uh, at this point, I am, uh, you know, we are recording this a little bit into the past uh, for the future. Um, and so for October, I'm doing something weird again. I'm doing the four films again. Uh, I said I wouldn't do it, but I decided to do it because there's a movie that I want to do at the end of the month uh, that uh, some people will catch on the theme. Um, but uh, we're going to start October off uh, with a Frankenstein-based movie, uh, and here's the trailer. 1931. 
1931, the world was horrified by the motion picture Frankenstein. In 1935, horror turned to terror with the bride of Frankenstein. In 1990, the makers of Basket Case and Brain Damage bring you... Want a date? Frankenhooker. Just read Franken as a plan. I just want to bring him back. He has the ingenuity. He has everything he needs, except the raw materials. Just hold still. Excellent. Oh, my God. On you. Wow. Jeffrey's creation is alive. Looking for some action? Oh, yeah. He's sexy. Want a date? You going out? I'm on my way home, but uh, thanks anyway. I can see suture to please. Listen, a very tall, attractive woman. She's purple. She's got the fresh bars on her. She's in the bar! Now, a motion picture like no other. A tender story of love and romance. A gripping tale of lust and revenge. Incredible. Some assembly may be required. That's right. Uh, we're going to look at a Frankenstein movie first, and we're going to look at Frankenhooker. <laughs> Have you ever seen that film? I had never heard of that uh, movie until now. If you heard me laugh <laughs> there when Frankenhooker was mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I I've been suggested uh some people have suggested that movie that I watch it. Uh and so this is going to be my first time seeing it too. I've heard about it for a long time. Um and you know what? I'm going to take the the bite of the bullet here and watch Frankenhooker. Um about a guy that wants to bring back his dead girlfriend the way he does it is he goes out and he murders hookers and takes parts of their body uh to make her or bring her back to life. So Yeah, you're getting ready for Shocktober. Yep. Uh so there's going to be a First is a Frankenstein movie, and then I'm going to find a, a wolf, werewolf movie, and then a Dracula movie. And then they're all going to culminate into a movie that I'm going to do for the end of the month. Uh, so there, there are hints and everything out there. You can figure it out. But as of the time of this recording, uh, I don't know what those other two movies are. So if you have suggestions for a werewolf-based film uh, or a vampire-based movie... Um, that is not called The Lost Boys because I'm not going to do that for this month. Uh, please make a suggestion. Hit us up. Uh, and Richard, where can everybody find you if you wish to be found? Well, those who normally listen and in our inner circle already know. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, mainly is where we all interact. Uh, at The Fear Merchant. And as I mentioned at the very start, I'm also host of the Bizarre Cast uh, show, and I just interview loads of cool people in the indie scene and beyond in terms of horror, sci-fi, and more. And that's B A Z A A R. It's like I'm reading off a sheet, but uh, just know it <laughs> off my heart now at this stage. And um, yeah, if you like this show and liked the commentary, then I'm sure you'll like my show. And you can check out my episode of Brian on Wonder Woman. I think it's the Stockroom episode three, if I remember. I believe these. so. So, uh, yeah, there we go. And do you have any film recommendations that you can point people to the podcast that maybe aren't terrible? 
yes, uh, this week now, I know this is being recorded a good bit in advance, but uh, I went to see a ghost story in the cinema there on Friday, and that stars Casey Affleck. He is living with his uh, partner, and he gets in an accident and he dies, and he comes back as a ghost, but... It just looks like a, you know, the stereotype kitty ghost with a, a guy in a sheet. And uh, he goes back to their house and it just kind of unfolds. It's like a really good kind of look into grief and loss and love. But don't be expecting anything fast-paced. It's a nice little journey. It's kind of shot in 4-3 aspect ratio. And uh, it's just a cool little arty film. So that should be probably out on DVD in the next probably a month or two because i think it was limited release but it's definitely worth checking out yeah it definitely like i've seen the trailer for it and i've seen it around and it looks really interesting but there really isn't a place by me that's playing it right now uh i don't even know if it's gotten the the u.s release just yet i think mm, either yeah, i'm not too sure yeah because it was only in one cinema the one near me so i just went to see it i think there was it was interesting because i went with my friend he hated it there was maybe 10 people in the cinema two of them walked out oh so it was kind of like love hate i really enjoyed it he didn't like it uh i think it's 93 on rotten tomatoes right now oh that's so, not uh, too bad be worth a look like, it's quite good so it's it's definitely worth a look uh get back to me once you've seen it and uh see what you think okay i i may have to uh find a way to watch it uh if you know what i mean <laughs> uh hopefully there'll be a cinema that has it around here because it's difficult to find uh the, i'm i was surprised that uh it comes at night was playing at one of the local like bigger cinemas around here because i really thought that was going to be a lot more indie uh and you know had a chance to actually see that film so seeing this m- may be a little more difficult i might have to go into the jungles of berkeley uh, California <laughs> to actually see it uh, yeah. and, and hope don't get stopped by some weirdos while I'm out there <laughs> otherwise you'll end up under a sheet <laughs> possibly uh, as for our podcast or my podcast I should say uh, you can always find me on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast as of this recording I think we were close to 900 I'm hoping by the time that this recording is done we have had 900 followers uh, on the account uh, you can always check out the Facebook page uh, terrible terror podcast um, and uh, as well as like you know Instagram terrible terror podcast as well uh, iTunes Spreaker I keep saying iTunes it's supposed to be Apple Podcasts uh, <laughs> Spreaker <laughs> Stitcher um, and Google Play out there if you guys like the show ratings reviews all that stuff is always great so I know exactly what you guys like what you don't like um, even if you leave me a one star review I don't give a shit as long as you uh, are constructive with your criticism just don't say fuck corn trees or some, some shit like that um, but uh, that is it. Thank you again, Richard, so much uh, for doing this with me and the big two-year extravaganza. Yes, uh, thank you very much for having me on, but uh, Brian, congratulations on making it to two years because uh, I know you probably won't be doing anything super special because you're a modest kind of guy, but I'm going to give a big uh, well done from all the community. I'm sure they're all clapping valiantly <laughs> behind me. 
Well, you can add some uh, After Effects fan fair here. Some oh, ADR. Put put some things in there of everybody clapping. Yeah, right. yeah. So uh, yeah, con- congratulations and. Here's for two more years, and maybe we can be coming back at some stage for the 20th anniversary, just like we are today for just, Event Horizon. Just, all right, for Event Horizon. I'll mark it down on my calendar. <laughs> well, thank you again. Thank you for the kind words. I really do appreciate it. Great stuff. And, Best uh, luck now. Thank you. Uh, and we'll see you guys all uh, next episode, uh, which will be Frankenhooker. Uh, talk to you soon. <laughs>